Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sports with balls. It's Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan. Well, the sophomore campaign, you know, it's always tricky. I think the good news with him is he kind of had a little bit of that experience last year because we brought him up in September of 2022, had a really nice month as a as a pure rookie, uh, and then came back with some expectations on his shoulders last year. You know, he's a year older, he's a year wiser. You know, we've got this group here. We're preparing for the season with this group. We feel great about this group, even though we're not at, at full health by any stretch. We feel like we've got the the camp in here that we can select from and put together uh, uh hopefully a championship caliber team it's going good everyone's excited to be back ready for another go at it we got a lot of talented guys and guys who are ready to go and who are excited to be here that is adley rutchman from the john means dylan bundy school of interviews the question was from mlb network how's camp going so far you know, even if it was going horribly, he wouldn't go, boy, this is brutal. We're going to lose 100 games. He's just like, ah, we're good. Everything looking all right. And they're excited, and they should be excited because they're a really good team, and they're going to be one of the favorites to win the American League East, which means you're going to be one of the favorites to win the American League uh, League in general. They did uh, win 101 games last year, and they're just trying to uh, maybe not duplicate the win total, but you want to win your division. You still want that home field advantage, in my opinion. And then you start to handle your business a little bit more in the postseason. We also heard from Mike Elias talking about uh, any more additions perhaps to the team before spring training ends. Opener is March 28th against the Angels. And, you know, it very cagey is Mike Elias. And, you know, are they health-wise where they want to be? No, of course they're not. Gunnar Henderson hasn't played yet, taking live BP today. Kyle Bradish, John Means, two-fifths of your rotation. They're going to start the year on the IL. So, no, they're not where they want to be. Your closer is out for the year. Felix Batista, but they've been aware of that for quite some time. But 
I guess we'll just let every, uh, let everything unfold and then see if moves will be appropriately made as Mike Elias sees fit. And then we also heard the GM of the Orioles talking about Gunnar Henderson, room to get better, and of course, and if he gets any better, then this is a guy that ascends from the all-star rookie of the year caliber guy to an MVP level player, which I think we've all understood that he is certainly capable of doing. Gunnar Henderson took live BP today, as a matter of fact, and said he shouldn't be much longer before he actually gets into the games. Brian Roberts, Oriole Hall of Famer, will be joining us at 11 o'clock. We'll talk about Gunnar and more importantly about Jackson Holiday's transition maybe on a regular basis to second base because, of course, Brian Roberts was an all-star second baseman during his time here with the Orioles. So stay tuned for that. But here's the Orioles lineup. And, Nolan, maybe uh, Brandon Hyde got it right this time. Colton Kowser's leading off in center field. Anthony Santander is in right field. Ryan Mountcastle is the DH. Maybe he forgot his name, like you said. Now, he's battling an illness. Obviously, wasn't that severe. Just cost him a day, but he's back there hitting a three-hole. Rhino Hearns at first base. James McCann's behind the plate. Ramon Arias, he is at second base. Jordan Westberg's at third. Jackson Holiday, a couple of knocks yesterday. He is at shortstop today. Tyler Nevin is in left field. And something we're going to monitor throughout the course of spring training, Tyler Wells is the starter for the Orioles. Now back in the rotation mix because of the injuries that we just talked about. So there you go. That's your lineup for the Orioles. As Oh, here we go. Bruce Zimmerman's going to throw today. Matt Crook's going to throw today, Caleb Ort, and then Anthony Swar- Andrew Suarez. Apologize for that one. Cole Irvin's going to start tomorrow against the Yankees. And Grayson Rodriguez will get the start on Sunday against the Pirates. That's all the Orioles news we got for you in real time. This is by uh, Rockabaco's Twitter from MassedSports.com. So the good news is Mountie's back. Gunner's going to be coming back. So... Things are looking good. Orioles win yesterday 9-8 as they score four in the bottom of the ninth as the uh, Daniel Johnson. By the way, this guy's having a really good first week of spring training for the Orioles. Uh, uh, College teammates of Kyle Bradish at New Mexico State. He's got major league experience with Cleveland, but he's been a really raking here. Kyle Stowers one yard yesterday. Oremeteo hit two home runs. And Jackson Holiday, after he and Skeens was a Skeens advantage there, he was two for four with a triple, which tied the game, also a single. So Orioles have, uh, they're, what is it, six and one now in springtime? Six and one. Like we say with football. You know what they are? March 20th, they're owing up. Yeah, it doesn't matter now. But yeah, you like to win, and it's all the taste of victory is uh, uh, much better than the bitter uh, taste of defeat. But they look like they've got some serious offensive potential. And Kyle Stowers is a guy, Dolan, that we kind of forget about. And we've brought him up many times. His power is premier. He's got premier power, which he has displayed. And, well, it's Kerstad, it's Kalzer. What about Stowers? And Stowers with power, we've seen that so far this spring. The competition seems to be bringing the best out of these guys. Like all the the depth that we talk about. You know, yeah, I mean. I hate that. 
He's not in the same conversation with these dudes. No, though. but uh, he's having a hell of a year. Yeah, and Johnson so too. I mean, yeah. nobody right. is really expecting Johnson to be a guy that's you know going to be with the Orioles all season, but he's on a tear right now. So sure. there's something about spring, the atmosphere there, where all these guys are battling for these spots. Cliche, we'll break well, it well, out. Well, Iron Stowers is different than those two. Right is the fact that he's one of their top prospects. And he made the team coming out of spring training last year. And then he had kind of an injury plague 2023. There's a different level here. Nevin and Johnson are like 4A depth pieces if need be. This guy could be, if not a contributor here in Baltimore, a very enticing trade chip. For a team, if you're looking to upgrade your roster in that capacity. So it is good to see him, again, forgotten, blast out here early. And same with Colton Kowser. Saw Colton Kowser last year really struggle at the major league level. Goes back to the minors and just rakes. They have owned that level of pitching. And they're not 4A guys like a Johnson or a Nevin might Mm -hmm. be. These dudes are legitimate major league players, maybe really good ones. The question is, because of the depth and the competition, are they going to be doing it in Baltimore? Like Joey Ortiz, you knew, because of everything they had with middle infield, as good as he is and as good as he may be for the Brewers, there just didn't appear to be a spot for him in Baltimore. But I think with Kerstad, Stowers, Kalzer. I mean, hey, man, have at it. Fight. Fight for your right to party in Baltimore. At least Ortiz made the majors with the Orioles. Sure, I mean, he Some did. of these guys in the infield can't even get a shot. And he's and like an 80 defender, too, mm-hmm. of the 2080, 80 being gold glove. Ortiz has been considered as the best defensive shortstop in the whole system, and that included Holiday and Gunnar Henderson. But now he gets his chance in Milwaukee question is with Stowers and Kerstad and Kowser, where's their chance going to be? And will it be on March 28th? I mean, that's all to be determined. But this is a great problem for Mike Elias to have. Best bet, you're almost thinking DH because you got your three outfield spots pretty much locked down. You're not going to give Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins, or Anthony Santander the boot unless one of those guys gets hurt. You know, why should they be uh, taken out of the lineup? So this is going to be fun to watch over the next few weeks. Orioles taking on the Braves today. 105, Tyler Wells is on the hill for the Orioles as he tries to duplicate the first half of 2023 when he was one of the best pitchers in the American League. Combine. People running fast, jumping high, and Chop Robinson did some really good stuff yesterday to help his cause. Already projected, Vinny, by some to be a first-round draft pick. Yeah, and with his measurables, I, I would I, I would think it'd be hard for him not to go in the first round. I mean, the kid ran four four eight in the forty, which was unbelievable. He measured just a shade under six three, so six two and seven eight. So he's an eighth away from being six six three. But he ran the most important thing that he did was he ran one five four ten yard dash, which you know, as a pass rusher, the 10 is the most important thing because explosiveness, get off the ball. And a one five four, I think, what they say? It's like one of the best uh, over the past two decades for his size, yeah, over saw, 250 pounds. saw Lewis Riddick on ESPN this morning going, this guy was incredible yeah. in that capacity. And the other thing, like his standing broad jump, 10 feet 8, that's awesome. Just because that's – 
that shows explosiveness. And I, and I want to say that he um, um, verticaled like 34 and a half, which is, which is good too. So all, all his numbers were great. So there's going to be a lot of people now at the Penn State Pro Day, you know, or individual workouts. They'll want to come work him out individually, you know, and get a, get a better feel for him. Be a lot of uh, the outside linebacker coaches or D-line coaches coming in because he's going in the first round. Just because, you know why he, those guys are going early? It's not a deep defensive line outside linebacker class. So if you want a good one, you got to get him early, otherwise you're not getting one. But we talked about this before the show with Chop Robinson. Yep. Sack production. Yeah. He had six during his college career. Two at Maryland, then transferred to Penn State. He had four last year. had none in 2022. But he had four last year. Kind of a Adape Owe-like career. I, I guess what you got to look at, I don't know what their defensive scheme is. You know, if they got to play run first or they're not allowed freedom when they're rushing a passer, I don't know. You know, defensive coaches fig- can figure that out when they're watching watching the film. But you would think, Bob, with his numbers and his athleticism and stuff, how many good draftable tackles, if you looked at their schedule, you know, how many draftable tackles did he go against? You know, why isn't he getting more sacks? That would be that's that's what I would want to know, you know, from him. You know, why aren't why aren't you getting more well, I got a lot of pressures. Well, screw the pressure. <laughs> you know, give me the damn sacks. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, I mean I'm pressured. Yeah. Oh oh wait. You know, I, I mean, it took a lot of you know what to draft Oway in the first round because that that's all about I mean, Bob, he ran four four also. You know, his was his was all about his numbers. Norm, can you pull always numbers real quick, what he ran at the combine and stuff? But, you know, measurables are good. But then you got to go back to the tape. But you know what it is, Bob, is is like coaches go in and work them out. Well, I can, fi- I, I, I can get him, you know. I mean, I got a guy that runs this and does that. But is he an instinctive guy? Does he have natural instincts for the position? Whereas, you know, like a... Van Noy, Bob, he ran 4-7. But he's a natural rusher sure. and has feel. That's why he gets a ton of sacks. And Oway doesn't have that. You know, and, and so with Robinson, that's that's I, I'm anxious to watch the film. I got a 4.37 on the 40-yard dash. Oof. Vertical jump, uh, 39 and a half. Oof. Broad jump, 134. Three-cone drill, 6.9. I mean, Bob, all his numbers are like spectacular, mm-hmm. you know, but and no sacks. And that's why he went. What did the Ravens take him? Like, was it in? It was late, wasn't it? Yeah, he was a uh, first after, round draft pick. Yeah, after I know, but Bateman. late. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, 31. Yeah. So, I mean, they're getting what they saw on film, Bob. You know, I mean, you're getting five sacks, and most of his sacks. For the Ravens, like I know the first year when he had five, they were like he was chasing. It, it wasn't like he won. It was like other guys were forcing the quarterback out and he had enough speed to go catch them and run them down. 
1057 The Fats with Chop Robinson had a strong day at the Combine yesterday. And if you go, well, we got to take a break because I just looked at the clock. We got to take a break, but he was projected by Mel Kuyper to go 31 to San Francisco, which is after Baltimore takes the kid from Georgia Lassiter at cornerback. Does this change things in the eyes of a lot of expert types? We've got a lot to get to. Orioles and Braves. Got the NFL Combine. Terps tomorrow, or Sunday rather, taking on Indiana. Tons going on. It's featured on Friday. We're jamming out to our Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. Who is it? You'll find out next here on The Fan. What are you drinking? Vinny. Cake bread. Chardonnay. Haney. Mick Ultra. Vinny and Haney. 105.7. The fan. Vinny and Haiti, 1057 The Fan, featured artist Friday. Lionel Richie, chosen by you, the people, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. Anything you want to hear from him? Send a request, plot sports tax line at 4583-1057. I think he's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. With the Commodores and then his solo career, which was uh, even more lucrative from an album sales standpoint. But if he is, and he should be, we'll double check that. We got all these stats we're looking up here on this featured artist Friday. But you want to get in, you can at 410-583-1057. Talk about the Orioles and their prospects for 2024, which are high and rightfully so. NFL Combine is happening. I think quarterbacks today, right? No. Is it quarterbacks today? I, I The receivers, they're doing interviews. So I'm guessing I don't, quarterbacks. Quarterback interviews today. Yeah, quarterback okay. interviews. How about Caleb Williams, Bob? He tells them, I'm not doing medical. I'm not doing any medical. I'll do it for uh, the few teams when they come out to my pro day. Now, how, how do you go get, if he needs an MRI or, you know, I mean, come on. Everything is right there. How hard is it to go through, you know, and get checked out? And he has no agent, so he doesn't, you know, I don't know who his people are that are telling him, don't do med. I've never heard not doing medicals. But what would the advantage be for that? Because if anything, and I'm just. All right. If you're reluctant to do that, then you're hiding right. something. That's that's what I that's what I would think. What what are you hiding? What don't you want people to see? Like the Alabama corner, Bob. He went through the medicals and he found out he had a broken a broken foot. You know, so I don't. There, right? I mean, Bob, if you've been totally, there's nothing to hide. And I don't know who gives him that type of advice. Don't go through the medical. He, I mean, look, I don't know this guy. Keith Cavanaugh, who we're going to talk to at 1130, knows him a little bit. Because, you know, Maryland recruited right. him. Yep. And he, he's he's tight, local. That little pipeline there. But seems somewhat entitled. Now, there was a lot of chatter that he had no interest in playing for the Bears, so don't bother drafting me. And I don't know where that came from. Yeah. Because he said a couple of days ago he'd love to play for Chicago or Washington. Because I guess he's assuming he's going to the top two, yeah. <laughs> the way things are uh, un- unfolding here. But he does seem like a little on the entitled side. He's made a ton of dough already with the NIL. He was in the Dr. Pepper Fansville commercials, had the guy fall in the hole, thinking it was a bad luck sort of thing there. But, yeah, it seems like he already envisioned certain things for himself. 
Yeah, I, I, what did he say? I think Bob, he made $5 million in NIL. Or, Good for him. Yeah. You know, and he, um, I, I, I'd be anxious to hear. I, I just tried to look up all the Bears articles to see if they had any, because they met with him yesterday morning for a while. Yep, and, saw and, that. Right, and there's nothing, there's nothing in all the articles about how that interview went. Just says Caleb Williams would not take medical exams. But but I'm intrigued to know, and we'll talk about it next week as we get into the draft profiles. And obviously the or, the Orioles the, or the Ravens will be taking Caleb Williams. Is he really a transcendent guy? Why would he be? Well, his I I think the the thing that he, the biggest things he's got going for him, Bob, is he was outstanding the year before he won the Heisman trophy. Yeah. And, and he was amazing the whole year, the last half of the year, he, he didn't play that good. You know, what, what was the downfall? What, why didn't he play well? And then I think what people like Bob, what people see, they see Patrick Mahomes, you know, with all the different angle throws and, uh, you know, his ability, you know, to make plays on the move and all that. I think that's, that's kind of the intriguing thing. I mean, when you see him, he can do some phenomenal stuff, scrambling around in things and like Patrick Mahomes when he was at Texas Tech you were involved even when Williams was at Oklahoma for the year I mean he played so well there he went he like played in like six or seven games it was in the Heisman conversation replacing Spencer Rattler but he has played most he played most of his college career in shootout scenarios yeah it was never a game management sort of thing it was no sort of a Man, we're going to have to match sixes with this team because they're scoring on our defense easily. Well, who who had the worst defenses? You know, Oklahoma when he was there, you know, and then now SC, their their defenses stink, and they had to score 30 or more points every game. So you're under a lot of stress and pressure. But And this is going to be the question that the Bears have probably asked themselves, and I'm guessing by Ryan Pohl's comments, couple of days ago, GM and the team, they've already decided. By the way, it's Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fed, Bob Haney, Vinny Serato, Nolan McGraw. What's happening on this featured artist Friday, Lionel Richie, is Caleb Williams alone going to be better than trading that number one pick for a ton of picks, and we can go with Justin Fields as our QB and add a Marvin Harrison, add an offensive lineman, add you know, a DB. I mean, they actually had a pretty good defense last yes, year. Yes, they did. They, they could did. use a running back like a lot of teams. But bottom line is, why not roll with what you know? But unless Caleb Williams is this comes in from day one and your team's that much better, then I guess they know more than we do. I, I think the thing that they're looking at, looking at, Bob, in two years you're going to have to pay you know, Justin Fields $50 million a year kind of thing. And, you know, with Caleb Williams, you know, you're at rookie contract. So you still can, you can still add a lot of pieces, Bob, but you'll have the money to add pieces instead of picks. That's the, you, you can go get guys out there that have already done it. They're going to be more veteran guys, but then they're going to cost more money. But you've got a window where you don't have an expensive quarterback. Whereas if you keep fields, my window is I've got to, I've got to be really good because I got to pay him a year from now. Based on what you've seen. And let's keep in mind, Justin, Justin Fields, NFL window is 
still relatively new. Yeah. What's he, two years in the league? What would you do? I got the number one pick, the most coveted quarterback we've seen, I guess it's Trevor Lawrence. What are you doing? Yeah. I mean, Bob, you know what you know what's interesting? Just think about this. If if you would have done this um a year ago at Green Bay, okay? Mm-hmm. A year ago at Green Bay, you'd have said, trade love and let me draft a quarterback. And then, you know, and then the team that would have gotten him had it and now now love is they're gonna build around love and now they're gonna pay love. Yep. Because he played three years. Went into year four. That's kind of where Fields is right now. That, that's that's the thing. I mean, if this kid goes to Atlanta, has a great year in the Bears. Oh, Pittsburgh. Struggle, everybody gets fired in Chicago. <laughs> hey, but if Fields goes to Pittsburgh, I'm. Uh, you're always worried about the Steelers because they're a pain in the Ravens' ass. Just yep. That's what they do. But they add him. I think they become a much more dangerous team. Well, I, I think going to Pittsburgh would be great for him, Bob, for for Fields, because um, Arthur Smith's about running the ball, play action pass, whereas I think that would be an advantage for Justin Fields because he'll have him involved in the run stuff too, which I think the kid will end up playing extremely well. It's Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan. You want to get in talk about that combine? Hey, you're the GM of the Bears. Not that it means anything to the Ravens because the Ravens are set at quarterback. But what are you doing? I think Justin Fields could play. Caleb Williams could play too. But is he that much of an upgrade over what you already have at quarterback? Orioles taking on the Braves today. Give you those lineups when we come back here on this Featured Artist Friday. Different sports, different teams, different opinions. There's one place to talk about them, and it's on 105.7 The Fan. Don't go anywhere f***ing else. Vinny and Haiti, 105.7 The Fan, featured artist Friday. Lionel Richie, man. This is his solo stuff. We're going to play the Commodores, I'm assuming. It's chosen by the people here. Well, get in and do it. This guy's a beast. He's one of the prolific songwriters of our time. And we're going to pay him proper tribute today on 105.7 The Fed. Orioles taking on the Braves today. 105, as you heard during Joe LaCroix's update. Ryan Mountcastle is in the lineup. So uh, I guess Brandon Hyde did forget to put him in there instead of whiting it out like he did yesterday. Dealing with an illness. That's why he didn't play. And that 9-8 come from behind win over the Pirates. Before we get to the phones, let me throw out a running back possibility for the Ravens as we're talking combine as well, which is happening big time over the weekend. Looks like Alexander Madison mm-hmm. is getting cundiffed out of Minnesota. What do you think? He averaged 3.9 last year, I think. Bob. No touchdowns on the ground last year. Either. Yeah. Uh, just my gut says no right now. They got rid of Dalvin Cook because they thought he would be a cheaper option because when Cook was hurt, he played well. He played well, yep. but when he was given the opportunity to be the guy, and I, I don't have his full stats in front of me, Vinny, but I'm, I can seem to remember a little fumbleia issues going on with him as well. Yeah, and if he was the guy, they wouldn't be getting rid of him because he's they <laughs> they still under contract for another year. So, yeah, um, no, I think that's 
That's another running back on the market who's going to be – he'll be sitting there for a while. Yeah, Jameson Hensley will get to this as well as the show progresses. Talking about the running backs that are out there and who would be the best fit for the Ravens, not just financially, but scheme-wise as well. We'll give you the Orioles lineup against the Braves coming up here in a few minutes, but let's get out to the phones. Oh, by the way, Oriole Hall of Famer Brian Roberts joining us at 11 o'clock live from Florida. He's one of the coaches down there and talk about Jackson Holiday's transition from normally shortstop to playing second base and that you're usually playing to the left side more. Now everything's kind of right-oriented, turning double plays and such. Brian Roberts, if you're not familiar with his resume, he was an all-star second baseman for the Birds of Baltimore to the point where he's in the Orioles Hall of Fame. But let's go to Tony in Rosedale. Tony, thanks for holding. What's going on, man? Hey, how you guys doing today? Doing all right, Tony. Yeah, Lionel Richie. Yeah, I, when I was real little, I loved him for them Commodores hits. But when he went solo, he was a beast. Your your, your music guy must know that he was he was going neck and neck with Michael Jackson's Thriller. It was Lionel Richie, Billy Joel's album, and and you know Michael Jackson. Well, I'm gonna so throw one in for selfish purposes too. We're talking '84. Van Halen's '84 was up there as well, but we're just yeah. uh, we're not splitting hairs. But Mike, uh, not Michael Jackson. Lionel Richie had a little cornball songs too, though. Stuck mm-hmm. on you is not well, exactly yeah. what am I? You know, as you know. Tony, I'm not exactly for the ballady type of songs. If you know yeah, it made it made me cross over in a little bit country. Listen to "Stuck on You," <laughs> mighty glad you stayed. That was that was a classic. Like I said, anyway, let me get on to yes. reason why I called, Vinny. Yes, I'm coming straight at you. You're a former GM. I got a question I've been wanting to ask someone for years and years. At the combine, as a GM, what are you looking to gain? And critique when you see a 300-pound lineman, whether it's offensive or defensive, run a 40 that you can't evaluate from his films of three or four years of college. I mean, running a 40 for a lineman, what are you looking to see in your evaluation of a lineman? Well, running a 40, I'm looking at the 10, the 10-yard split. That's more important to me because, like I said, if he's got to run 40 yards – He's chasing a running back, and he's not going to catch him. So the 40 doesn't mean a lot because, like you said, you can see on film if he'll hustle, if he'll chase, and he's catching people. But the 10-yard, to me, you know, his – like what a pass rusher, you know, uh, with uh, Robinson from Penn State ran 1-5-4, which is outstanding. You know, because you're talking about get-off. You're talking about, you know, the first 10. You know, how explosive is he off the ball? With an offensive lineman, the thing that I want to see, <clears throat> I want to see if he can bend his knees. That's the biggest thing. Oh, lineman, I, I could give a crap what he runs to 40 in. You know, I want to see if he's athletic. I mean, if he's running 4-9 or, you know, and I like to pull my guys and stuff, okay, cool. But they got to be knee benders. Got to be able to bend your knees and you got to have some athleticism. You know, you can't be waist benders. You got to be a knee bender. Guys who bend their waist, you know, their head down, guess where they're going? Head down, you're down. Right. I, I just, you know, I, me personally, I don't put too much stock into the 40s at times, even for receivers or whatever. When I look back at receivers, the only thing with receivers is, is mm-hmm. um, he may play fast. Does he play fast? And then, you know, he runs fast. Okay. Does he, um, does he play? Is he supposed to be real fast, but he plays slow? 
You know, that like Duvernay. Duvernay ran like 4-3 or whatever. Does he look that on the field? No. Prashad Perryman was fast, too, if that yeah. serves. I, I use one organization when it comes to that. I look at the Raiders, how they would always like fast guys, Cliff Branch, Haywood Bay. Their two best receivers is Fred Belitkoff and Tim Brown, and both of them probably weren't fast. I well, don't put hey, too much Timmy was in. Timmy was real fast. Cliff Branch is in the Hall of Fame, yeah. by the way. So let's uh, Tim let's Tim Brown the at the combine. Right, hey, thanks, Tony. Tony, if I hope you're still listening, Tim Brown at the combine. People thought what you thought that he wasn't that fast. He went and ran four three and then left. Yeah, Cliff Branch is a Hall of Famer, yeah. and he had world-class speed coming out of Colorado. But Belinikoff was the route runner, gets under your skin, and yep. covered in, uh, what was that stuff, the stick Oh, the stick yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but Belinikoff, Hall of Famer himself. But Darius Haywood Bay out of Maryland, track speed kind of guy. Straight line. Top 10 pick. And, and Al did that a lot. Al loved, I mean, Bob, at the Combine, Al would sit at the... He'd sit down in the first row all the time. Sat in the same spot all the time in his white suit. He'd always have his all white or all black, one of the two, you know, and he would just sit there. And then, like, it, it was like um, Parcells had come and sit with him or Belichick had come sit. You know, it was like you were paying homage to the king. Yeah, but he started reaching there towards oh, the end big where time. he would make savvy picks and even more importantly with Jameis Winston. But to get or the, not Jameis, yeah. Jamarcus Russell, uh, yes. but get the reclamation projects. Oh yeah, that would come in and do that Raider sort of thing. But anyway, we're here to talk about what's going on in 2024 with the combine and how it affects the Ravens. Running fast, jumping high, does it make you a good football player? The film don't lie, as they say. Orioles are taking on the Braves today, 105. Give you those lineups, Bubba, wherever you are. Benny and Haiti, put your headphones in. And ignore your co-workers. 105.7 The Fan. Uh, now we got some uh, Commodores here, right? It's Vinny and Haiti, 105.7 The Fan. Oh, Lionel Richie. He's our featured artist Friday performer in various forms. Here with the band where he wrote most of the song, the Commodores. You know, maybe little-known trivia, but if you're old enough, like me and Vinny are, he did not sing Brick House. Was involved in the songwriting process of it, but he was not the lead singer on said song, but he sang mostly the other ones. And then a solo career when he was dancing on ceilings. (laughs) I don't like that one either. And anyway, we're not here to judge. We're here to listen, and we're listening to everybody. We're going to listen to Brian Roberts, Oriole Hall of Famer, coming up at 11 o'clock. Talk about what's happening down in Sarasota. He's one of the guys' coaches this year. Whip around 11, 15 tons going on in the world of sports last night and heading into the weekend. And then Keith Cavanaugh, TerrapinTimes.com. Maryland taking on Indiana Sunday, the season finale at the Xfinity Center. And uh, recruiting updates on both football and basketball moving forward. But let's get out to the phones. WGK Law phone lines bring us Ed and Towson. Ed, what's up? Hey, what's up, fellas? How y'all doing this morning? What's going on, man? I'm good, dude. Look, Vinny, um, uh, uh, Buffalo Bob, I'm with you with that, uh, with, with the Lionel thing. I mean, I love him, but I'm, I'm not. I, back then, I wasn't into the beggars. I mean, I was, I was, <laughs> you know, I had to, had to get. And you said Van Halen, that killed it right there because we're talking about guitars. So, no, those were my hammerjack days. I wasn't into Lionel Richie. I was, I was trying, you know, trying not to get bounced out the, uh, <laughs> out the down down them stairs right there in Hammerjacks, bro. So I'm with you with that. But uh, Vinny, let me down. let me ask you. Yeah, you go, Vinny. Let me ask you real quick. Oh, they're talking about Caleb Williams and uh, 
I was on the sidelines when he was, you know, on the other side when he, he was, he was at Gonzaga, uh, compare him in college. And, and I know it's unfair. Compare him in college to when you had, when, 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 when Joe was at Notre Dame and Joe was a better Joe was actually a better athlete. Cause I think Joe came out of PA playing, playing two or three sports, but compare how quickly Joe called on. Like they, they're expecting a lot of things out of Caleb, you know, and, and I get that because he's, he's, he's put in that work, but, like Joe in college coming out, and they all actually played defense at Notre Dame too. But Joe in college, as a seat, you know, last year at Notre Dame and Caleb Williams, is there like no comparison right now as far as the, the where the expectations are they higher for Caleb or were they just as high for Joe coming out of Notre Dame? And Joe, I'm gonna hang up, dude. Right, thanks, Joe man. went in the third round, yeah, and then so, he wasn't at Notre Dame yeah, in Joe Montana. Joe, yeah, he was, I was still in college, yeah. <laughs> I was <laughs> so. But the expectations for Joe? No, I mean Caleb Williams first pick of the draft. Joe was a third third round pick, and I don't know where the Niners were probably bad then, so they were oh, probably, they were terrible. So yeah. they were picking early in the third. That was round. Walsh's first year, seventy nine, when they made that pick. Yeah, and Walsh didn't want Joe. He wanted the the cow uh, the Dills. Was it Dills? Ah, uh, the Stanford guy. Yes. Ah, uh, because uh, he coached him. There. Yes. Yeah, that's, Dills, who Joe, that's, that's who Absolutely. Joe wanted. Yep, yep. I think he was Steve gone. Steve Dills, I believe. That's who he wanted. And then he ended up with Montana, luckily. Yeah, and Steve was throwing a James Lofton in college, and he had a yeah. uh, young Darren, and, and, the and, running back for the, the Vikings. Nelson, Darren Nelson. Darren Nelson. And, and Joe was a D1 basketball recruit in high school. You know, I, I think he had offers from, like, North Carolina and those kind of places, but... Joe was a really good – had great feet and, and stuff. And he didn't even start till his junior and senior years either. And, and the thing that Joe did that Caleb didn't do, Joe won. Right, won a national championship in his last college game ever. He had, like, walking pneumonia and drank yep. uh, some soup and went out there. And, like Rob Long. Yeah, he came back from 35 <laughs> to 3 down and handled his business. All right, let's go to Ellicott City. It's Kevin. Kevin, thanks for holding. What's up? What's good, Vinny and Bob? How y'all doing? How you good. doing, buddy? Doing well, man. Just uh, recouping from uh, mouth surgery yesterday, so ah. getting to chill out a little bit, which mm. is all good. But uh, for both of you guys, um, Vinny, like you were saying, right, about kind of the different knee bending and stuff, right? You know, I think a lot of these athletes get so conditioned to show well in, you know, the combine-type stuff, how high they can jump and all that. But I really like what you were saying and about – you know, that stuff don't always correlate to the game, right? I mean, it's the yep. same as a guy that just says practice is breaking into cars like in his own garage, but then when the lights turn on and he actually has to break into somebody else's, can he perform? And just as an analogy, right, the ultimate goal is perform on the field, right, like in the games. Well, here here's the thing about, you know, hey, thanks, the, the, the combine and, and stuff is – these kids start soon as their season's over. They're they're going to train with guys, and what are they training for? They're training for the combine, every drill, you know. So they're training for six weeks on every drill that's done at the combine. That's why a lot of them do better at it, you know. And then and then once you get done at the combine, then they're training for football after that. So it's. It's smart, but it's kind of ridiculous. Hey, real quick, as we hit the break, Oriole Hall of Famer Brian Roberts live from Florida talking Orioles. Uh, Joe Montana was signed by Eric Parsegian. Then he retired. Dan Dan Devine took over. 
and Devine liked the way that Montana or yeah played in the spring game. Went home, told his wife, I'm going to start uh, Joe Montana in the final spring game. She replied, who's Joe Montana? Devine said, he's the guy that's going to feed our family for the next <laughs> year. <laughs> and then he didn't even start him in 75. It's video at 8105.7 The Fan. Oriole Hall of Favor, Brian Roberts, next. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Until the Gold Club opens. Make it rain. Vinny and Haney. Better grab an umbrella. 1057 The Fan. Vinny and Haney, 1057 The Fan. Featured artist Friday, Lionel Richie, slash Commodores. Anything you want to hear from him, them, send your request, plot support, text line at 410 583-1057. Orioles taking on the Bravos today, 105. Bob Haney, Vinny Serrato joining us now to talk about the first week of spring training. He's been down there monitoring and coaching the team. He's an Oriole Hall of Famer, two-time All-Star. He's on the WGK Law guest hotline. Let's welcome back to the show. It's been a couple years. He's uh, Brian Roberts. Brian, what's up, dude? Hey, what's going on, man? Can you imagine? How about this? Lionel Richie was my first ever concert I went into in person. Were you dancing on the ceiling, most importantly? (laughs) I vividly remember it. It was at the Dean Smith Center in Chapel Hill. Yep, crazy. (laughs) That is pretty awesome. Brian Roberts, you're down in Sarasota working with the team. And let's start with Jackson Holiday. We know the upside. He's the number one prospect in all of baseball. But defensively, Explain, first of all, the transition from usually playing shortstop to playing second base and how difficult a transition it might be because I heard what he was saying yesterday that, you know, I'm used to playing more to the left side of things. Now it's more to the right. So tell our listeners what that's all about and uh, how has he looked so far trying to make that transition? Uh, Yeah, I've had the opportunity to spend a lot of training and I made the same switch. I mean, I played shortstop my whole career all the way through my first year in Baltimore and um, it, it's a simple switch, yet a very complicated switch at the same time. Um, you know, the, the routine ground ball that plays at first base are much easier, actually, at second base, obviously, than shortstop. Probably you have more time, takes less arm strength. But it's the double play stuff that's more complicated. You just had a different angle. The feeds are very different. Um, turning the double play coming from the left side infielders from shortstop and third baseman, 
uh, is a much different turn than um, coming from shortstop where everything's in front of you. So uh, there are some things that definitely um, create some challenges when you're moving from the left side to the right side of the infield. But he's so young. He's so athletic. Uh, he's so gifted. Had a chance to be around him a lot. He's picking it up uh, extremely well. I think he's going to handle it obviously perfectly fine. It's just going to take some reps and uh, getting in those game situations and having those plays happen in real time where the speed is fast and uh, and having to make those plays instinctively as opposed to thinking about them quite so much. Now, Brian, I'm not going to lie, other than watching highlights on the interweb and what they show us on TV, I haven't seen him play an entire nine-inning game yet. But if there is a criticism, I'm, gonna, I'm using air quotes, Arm strength, maybe not of the Manny Machado, Gunnar Henderson ilk. Is that fair or is that an unfair critique? Well, well that that wouldn't be necessarily unfair for 99% of the world to critique <laughs> it that way. Um, you know, those two arms are pretty special. Uh, when you're talking about Machado and you're talking about Gunnar, they are, um, they are the top 1% of the top 1% when it comes to arm strength. So I can tell you this, I mean, I don't think that Jackson's arm strength would hold him back from doing anything on a baseball field uh, would be the way I would put it. Um, maybe it's not the top, you know, 0.01%, but it's certainly uh, plenty playable at any position you want to put him at uh, on a major league field at this point. Brian Roberts, Oriole Hall of Famer, joining us here. Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan, staying on the infield because that's your field of expertise as a two-time All-Star Oriole Hall of Famer. Colton Wong comes in, two-time gold glover, fielding Bible guy, and I forgot that he was like a, a silver bat or silver slugger guy just two years ago. What could he add to the equation for not just Jackson, but for all of the young infielders? And at 33, is there maybe a spot for him on this year's team? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I, when I saw that signing, um, I wouldn't say it shocked me completely, but <laughs> obviously the Orioles have so many good young infielders. It's incredible. I mean, that was probably what blows my mind more than anything when I get over there is just the amount of talent that they have at young ages, especially within the infield. Um, yeah, so I think they brought him in certainly as much as anything, maybe for some depth, um, some leadership to, to teach some of these young guys who are learning these positions. Um, when you look at Jackson, obviously learning second base, uh, you've got also a guy like uh, Connor Norby who uh, swings the bat extremely well. His one knock would be defensively at second base, uh, probably a big league bat, maybe not quite defensive yet. Um, and so I think there's a lot of purposes behind some of those things when the when these teams bring these guys in. If, if he was willing to possibly go to AAA, you know, and be there uh, for insurance as well as uh, mentoring help, that sort of thing. So, um, you know, I don't know exactly what Michael Elias and those guys are thinking when it comes to that, but he's a guy who has tons of experience, playoff experience, high-level experience, and I think they can use them in a lot of different ways. Now, Brian, with Jorge Mateo, two bombs yesterday. He was a fielding Bible guy himself at shortstop just a couple of years ago. I mean, the bat really cooled off after a hot sip, uh, or April, rather, in 23. Center field's going to be an option for sure. The speed plays. The right-handed bat, maybe could that be more of an advantage for him with all the lefties? Where does Jorge Mateo fit in and talk about that transition from being a premier defensive shortstop to covering some ground out there in center field, Camden Yards, or wherever it is? Yeah, I mean, you've got a couple guys who two years ago, you know, uh, were playing at a super high level defensively. you got him plus uh, Ramon Arias, who won a gold glove at third base, and uh, both of them really at this point, you know, may not have a starting job, obviously. And so uh, the amount of 
defensive ability that both of those guys bring and their flexibility um, to move around the diamond is huge. I think that's in this day and age and the way the game is now, organizations love guys like that who can provide all sorts of different uh, abilities all over the field. Now, moving to the outfield is a whole different animal for sure as, as an infielder. Um, getting out there and I think getting work in and reps in, if that's what they're going to uh, have Mateo do some, is going to be you know very important for him to get out there and do that. But the right-handed bat, I agree. They struggled against left-handed pitching some last year. To have somebody who can come in and you know spot start and and play all over the diamond and, and maybe provide that right-handed bat, certainly the speed um, on the bases and causing some havoc out there is something that every team loves. So. I think the Orioles have a lot of flexibility, which is great. They have a lot of young talent. They've got really everything that they need to to accomplish what they want to accomplish, just a matter of how Brandon Hyde and Michael Elias want to use those pieces. Hey, Brian, talk to me about the progression of getting ready during spring training. I mean, because, you know, you see some of these guys, they get two at-bats, then they're out, and then they're not playing the next game, then they come back, get a couple more at-bats. So how long does it take you to get ramped up? Like, what what was your ideal scenario for you? Well, I would say that varies dramatically based on um, how old you are, uh, how much experience you have at the major league level. All those things you'll see, obviously, Jackson Holiday and some of those kids are going to get a lot of at-bats in spring training. You know, they played the first day, split squad the next day, so they're back in there again. And they're, you know, third day in a row at 19, they, they can do that sort of thing. Um, and they're not thinking twice, for one, because they're trying to make a team. You know, the older you get, even talking to Gunnar Henderson, he's only got, you know, really one full year under his belt. And yet he told me, he's like, you know, coming into this spring feels totally different. I, I, I realize now I can kind of just – take my time and, and know that all I'm doing is trying to prepare for opening day. And so I think you have different guys who are, who are very uh, different in their approach to it. Uh, myself, I mean, there were years where I wanted more at-bats, and then there were years where you go through things, you might have a nagging injury in spring training, and you say, just give me like 15 or 20 at-bats and I'll be ready to go, you know. So um, I think the situation just depends on a lot of different factors and um, where guys stand in their career as well as um, – you know, injuries and those sorts of things. But the biggest thing is making sure that you're healthy, making sure your timing is at least somewhat decent by the time opening day comes around. Um, I always remember Miguel Tejada. He was the worst spring training player I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and yet, first day, opening day, he's going to go three for four. You might as well count on it. So, so the spring training really is just to prepare for opening day for most guys. He's Brian Roberts, Oriole Hall of Famer. Brian, last thing for you is you've got a glimpse of the team at least early in spring training. We know the, the defense is strong. The bats look to be uh, pretty much capable of producing runs. What about that rotation? And is the loss of Batista going to prove to be costly for them here? Yeah, I mean, only time will tell, I guess, at this point. Certainly the Corbin Burns trade was enormous, and I think everyone knew that a real frontline starter is um, is a huge asset, especially if you're a team that's um, – you know, has a pretty good chance of getting into the playoffs. Having those frontline guys are, are enormous. Plus, he's a guy who has eaten up a lot of innings um, at a high level. So that was a great pickup. Um, you know, we'll wait and see what Kyle Bradish is like as he works through uh, recovering from his elbow stuff. You know, John Means, obviously, as well with the some injury stuff. Um, you know, Grayson Rodriguez is a uh, had a tough first go-around, but came back and pitched outstanding. I expect a really good year out of him. Um, you can't replace Bautista, but certainly putting a guy with like Craig Kimbrell in the back of the bullpen with that kind of experience, he knows how to get outs uh, at the end of the game. And so I think he will help solidify the back end of the bullpen. Uh, as long as you can get enough innings out of those starters and they pitch well, I think this team uh, has a chance to do everything that they want to do. Well, we're stuck on you. 
Brian Roberts, Oriole Hall of Famer. First concert was Lionel Richie down at the Dean Dome way back when. Brian, we appreciate the time as always. Enjoy the rest of your spring, and we look forward to talking to you throughout the season here, hopefully. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Brian. You got it. Brian Roberts, everybody. It's Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan Whip Around coming up next. A lot going on in the world of sports last night. Keith Cavanaugh, TerribleTimes.com. Maryland down to two regular season games left. The, The Hope... They're running out of it. How's that sound? Hello, Funhouse trip at Nolan McGraw. That news from the next. Back to this combine stuff. Chop Robinson ran really fast. Said he grew up a Ravens fan. Does this mean anything on March 1st? Diddy and Hades with Brought to you by Box Hill Pizzeria and Crab Cakes. The best crab cakes in Hartford County. 1057 The Fan. Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan here on this featured artist Friday. It's Lionel Richie, either a solo artist where he has a ton of hits or with the Commodores where they have a ton as well. So this guy, to say he's accomplished would be an understatement here on this March 1st. Believe it or not, college hoops last night, men, Big Ten, Ohio State. Eh, Tried to impeach the mayor, 78-69 over Nebraska. Ohio State showing a pulse since they uh, got rid of old Holtman there. Good for them. Bad for you, the mayor. Rutgers, talk about bad. Hey, as crappy as Maryland's been, Michigan loses by 30 to Rutgers. Whoa. Rutgers barely scored 30 against Maryland on Sunday. 82-52. It's been a disastrous season for the Wolverines. Lost a ton of talent. And uh, Juwan Howard had health problems, pretty severe ones that caused him to miss a few games, but boy, they were just in the Elite Eight a couple years ago in the Sweet 16, and here they are. I mean, they might not win double-digit games, so horrible year for the Wolverines there. Locally, Towson over North Carolina A&T, 84 ready for the Colonial. UMBC, 79-60 over New Jersey Institute of Technology. Terps uh, Sunday at noon, or 2 o'clock, rather, taking on Indiana. Two of the more disappointing teams in the Big Ten. I mean, Michigan's just different level disappointing. But Maryland expected to be good. They're not. 15-14, and 7-11 and 11 in, the, in the league. Indiana, maybe even worse, 15-13, and 7-10. We'll talk more about that with Keith Cavanaugh here in a matter of minutes in the NBA last night. The Wizards. Look, man, I'm still one of the few Wizards fans at least clanging around this part of town. Grew up a Bullets fan, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and I'll sit there and watch him at seven o'clock and then home game sort of things. And mm-hmm. you know, by nine, I'm usually asleep because they put you to sleep unless you're a fan <laughs> of the other team. So then they play late last night at LA, and we got ourselves a barn burner. But in the end, the better team won. Out on top to Christie, eighty-six, eighty-five. Max, look out! Look out! Here comes Davis. Spectrum Sports. Anthony Davis, 40 points, 15 rebounds, as in overtime, L.A. beats Washington, 134-131. Jordan Poole now coming off the bench for Washington. He pumps in 34, but not enough for the Washington Wizards, who have now dropped 13 consecutive games. It was Brooklyn, 124-97 over Atlanta. Bruno Fernando, University of Maryland, two points, three boards, and assists. And two steals. Cam Johnson at 29 for Brooklyn. San Antonio beat Oklahoma City 132-118. Battle of the top two contenders for Rookie of the Year. 
Aaron Wiggins, by the way, Maryland had four points, three boards, and an assist for the Thunder. But Chet Holmgren, who redshirted his rookie year because he broke his foot in that yep. charity game, he had 23.7 boards, five assists. But Victor Webadiana, 28, 13, seven assists, five blocks, banging home threes. It was San Antonio stunning Oklahoma City, 132-118. Both of these guys are going to be fabulous players for many years to come. It was Phoenix, 110-105 over Houston. Cam Whitmore, Baltimore, he had 14-8 and eight in that one. And got into a little scrape with uh, Devin Booker. They almost hmm. threw some uh, threw some haymakers. Always lean towards the Baltimore guy and that sort of a uh, thing, if you know what I'm saying. Denver, 103-97 over Miami. Hey, what Highsmith didn't play last night, Michael Porter Jr. had 30-11 and 11 for the Nuggets in a rematch of last year's finals. How about Caitlin Clark declaring for the WNBA draft? She would be the number one pick of the Indiana team who took uh, Leah Boston last year number one i would think bob i I mean because she makes a ton of nil money at iowa so she could have come back for another year but i'm guessing with her off court money because they don't make any money at uh wnba that's why they all play overseas yeah in the offseason so i'm guessing that she's got it figured out where her state farm and all the other things that she's got going on she can make it pretty good she passed lynette woodard as the all-time leading scorer in women's college basketball and lynette played for kansas back in the late 70s remember, yeah. early 80s but it wasn't under the hammer of the ncaa so they don't ca- like they didn't count sacks until 1982 in the nfl so it's kind of stupid but she's what 16 away from passing uh, pete maravich all-time in ncaa which is like comparing uh you know apples to fire hydrants right. there's no no comparison whatsoever. It's Vinny at Haiti, 105.7 The Fed. It's the whip around. Caps tonight. Taking on the Flyers. 7 o'clock puck drop down at D.C. Caps 63 points. Six behind Philly, Vinny. As we're now into literally the month of March. Trade deadline is a week from today. So when are we going to start packing it in or tonight, loading it up? Tonight. They lose to Philly, Bob. Then they're down eight to Philly. And the Devils and Islanders both passed them. I just think there's too many teams above them, and they're going to have to play at a level, Bob, that I don't think that they're capable of playing at consistently to be able to, you know, compete with the other teams. So I think a week from Friday, I think they start dealing, you know, Manta goes and a lot of they they have the old one of the oldest teams in the league. You got to start getting rid of some of those thirty year olds. Uh, this day in sports history, March first, nineteen ninety seven, Atlantic City, Hector Macho Camacho. Knocked out Sugar Ray Leonard in the fifth round, which finally put an end to Sugar Ray Leonard's career. So uh, that happened 27 years ago. Macho Camacho no longer with us after a tragic uh, end down in Puerto Rico. This day in Maryland history, 1975. Cold Fieldhouse, second-ranked Maryland, beats East Tennessee, uh, East Tennessee State. A lot of syllables there, Nolan. 104-87, John Lucas, 21, Brad Davis, 18, Mo Howard, 14, Tom Roy, 10 and 10. As Maryland gets ready for the ACC tournament, spoiler alert, didn't go well for them, but we'll get to that in due time. 1978, ACC tournament, Greensboro, Maryland beats NC State, 109-108 in triple overtime. Make it about me real quick. My grandmother passed away a couple of days earlier. My dad's mom. Mm -hmm. She would be my paternal grandmother. 
in the wake was at my Aunt Joan's house, who also is, I mean, we're talking 36 years ago, or 46 years ago. But I watched this game on black and white TV, and I kept running down, Maryland. My dad's like, who cares? Get out of here. Just get, you know, my mom just died. Bleep you and the Terps. Almost literally is what he said. But 109-108, triple overtime. Larry Gibson at 27 points. Baltimore, 18 boards. Albert King at 21-7. and seven. Ernie Graham at 20 points. Lawrence Boston at 18. Larry Gibson played 55 minutes in this game. They played Duke in the semifinals, and they were gassed, and they lost. And Duke went to the finals. As a matter of fact, that year, 1986, Cole Fieldhouse, Maryland beats Virginia, 87-72. It was Len Bias' last home game. He had 22. Jeff Baxter, 19. Keith Gatlin, 18. Speedy Jones, he had 15. And on this day, 1995, Nolan, you might remember. No, you won't. You weren't even born yet. 1995, in Durham, 6th-ranked Maryland, Beats Duke 94-92. Joe Smith tapping at the buzzer. He had 40 points, 18 rebounds. Gary Williams was sick. He didn't coach. He was out. And Mike Krzyzewski took off because he had back surgery. Because Duke sucked that year. And he didn't want them L's on his record. Billy Hahn, rest in peace, coached the Terps. 94-92. Maryland beats Duke. One of the signature wins. One of the great wins. Of the Maryland era. And Joe Smith, who would go on to win National Player of the Year, do a National Player of the Year stuff. Talking about that more. Terps history, well, maybe not so much. But current day basketball, which is far from that, with Keith Calvin on next. The latest sports news. And your place to talk about it. Always. 105.7 The Fan. Video Haiti, 105.7 The Fan. Lionel Richie. Featured Artist Friday is chosen by you, the people. You want to get in, pick a song. Send it to Nolan McGraw, Plot Sport Text 9-4-10-5-8-3-1-0-5-7. Maryland taking on Indiana on Sunday, the home finale for the 2024 season. And then at Penn State, needing miracles. They got to win the Big Ten tournament, let's be honest. If they're going to get to the NCAA tournament, is the NIT even a reality? Or quite frankly, would it be an option? Here to talk about that more from TerrapinTimes.com. He's Keith Cavanaugh. Keith, what's up? Guys, good morning. But first, yes. we must address the most relevant news, given the portals coming up and recruiting. But a sign of good health in a program when your fourth assistant coach in less than two seasons becomes a head coach. As you know, Mike Jones um, leaving Maryland, become the new head coach at Old Dominion. And I already have a 10 deep for his replacements. Uh, for his replacement. So um, Kevin Willard's got to get busy, get a new assistant. Jones, obviously, just here one year. DeMatha really doesn't have any talent anymore. So he didn't have much of an impact. Um, but, you know, he played down there, and every assistant wants to be a head coach. But a few names to keep in mind. Baltimore's own Kevin Norris, who's down at UCF right now. T.J. Thompson, who going back in the way, uh, way back time machine, Bob, who played at Newport Prep. If you remember that, remember Tony Moore and all those guys? Oh, sure. Currently at Rutgers, played basketball at GW collegiately, but high school at Newport Prep in uh, Kensington. Corey McRae, a former DeMatha guy who's at BC now. Mike Pegues, a familiar name, former DeMatha Delaware. guy. Delaware, yeah. Yeah, and Butler currently. Xavier Joyner uh, from JMU, who's a team takeover, AAU well-connected guy. Kenyatta Hunter, who's out at Indiana. All these guys are on a, um, well, not too short a list, but a list right now um, because, you know, with everything going on, season still going on, of course, 
portal opens, what, March 18th. Um, you're going to have to be very busy there. But the good news, David Cox was down last night at Fork Union, the other Terps assistant. He did see Mount Zion prep against uh, Fork Union and Terps on Malachi Palmer. Hit three three-pointers in a game. Just what we need, 19 points. They they lost, though. But obviously, need to address, get some shooters in here. There are several shooters in the portal or soon to be in the portal. Two from the local colleges I can't name yet, and one from Philly. All can stick it, so all show an interest in Maryland. Then you want a portal big as well. But Mike Jones, moving on, props to him. And remember, Bill Meyer, Skin, Sadler, and now Jones, um, four assistants under Willard in a short period here already have had jobs. And Sadler was just like a GA. You know, he was uh, administrative assistant coach, and he's what head coach now at Nichols State. So um, good and bad news there on the staff news. Yeah, that's all very touching. But right now they're 15 and 14, 7 and 11 with all of these uh, coaches getting jobs elsewhere. And I seem to remember Jonathan Lamothe having games at St. Francis where he was at like 7, 8, 9, 10 threes. Oh, he had 16 threes 16. against John Carroll. I stand corrected, game? but he can't get off the bench at Maryland. What is Kevin Willard going to try to – he went back to his original lineup a couple of nights ago in the loss uh, to Northwestern, minus two of their best players, by the way, for that game. And a walk-on starting, yeah. <laughs> and then and he getting had, beat, beat yeah. guy, by guys with mullets named Opie <laughs> uh, who have career nights, but I digress. Don't be hating on Opies, my friend. But uh, what, what are you looking to accomplish last two – you're not going to – you got to win the Big Ten tournament, obviously, to get to the NCAA yeah. tournament. Is the NIT even interested in Maryland? Do they still have the cachet to generate uh, that sort of interest? Because the NIT is an entity itself, doesn't have that sort of juice anymore. Yeah, so it's Bob, like the Corleone this, family. <laughs> Sadly, on this team's epithet for the season, a number will stand out: nine point one. <laughs> Their three-point field goal percentage the other night. Uh, Bob, you, me, and Vinny could start drinking right now for St. Patrick's Day. Stand on our head blindfolded and knock down more than 9% of three-pointers in a game after 75 Jaeger bombs. And, and I'll Irish shoot right-handed and do better than that. Yeah, so um, obviously the gang that can't shoot straight, um, they always fight to the end. Defense has always been there. But the other night I saw a fissure and a crack in the – in the defense, Dante Scott Matador defense was horrific. Uh, Julian Reese's basketball IQ was just as bad. You know, all the you you knew they were going to pack it in. They were going to clog the lanes. They're going to make you shoot threes. So Juju, he'd catch the ball, he'd get doubled, he'd freeze, and he either turn over or do an offensive foul. Jameer couldn't get through the lanes uh, to get openings to the rack, so they shut all that down. As we've mentioned, Chrissy Collins, they always play hard. They always play smart. It was hack-a-shack. Um, thank God Jameer's free throws kept him in the game, but another bad basketball IQ night, a rare night that their defense had so many lapses, but unfortunately the sad song of their three-point shooting. And, you know, Kaiser right now, Bob, I think he's becoming a modern-day Kelly Height. What? Good good guy. Kelly Height? Oh. Yeah. I'm I going think, way back. I mean, but the expectations are way higher for Kelly Height, yeah. if I'm not well, No, what I'm saying is yeah. great guy, but he's got no game. I mean, <laughs> you, you want him to shoot <laughs> threes. Yeah, beyond that, how do you like to play him? He's like, uh, can't hit threes, but he can't defend anybody. All right. And 
you know, there's not a lot of floor game action, you know, uh, to his game. So we're seeing now some of these ballyhooed freshmen. Yeah, they've struggled. But now he's receding back into deep reserve. Now, DHS is climbing. He still shoots some very ill-advised threes and clanks them. But, you know, if he's getting downhill and bully ball slashing and crashing to the hoop, uh, that's a good sign. But Dante just, you know, he just comes and goes. He killed them the other night. Just awful defense on Mullethead. Um, so it goes on and on. But the ladies did win by 16 over whiskey last night. They're on their way to the NCAAs. We'll see if the men can even qualify for the NIT. But you want to lock up Rodney Rice. We talked about him, the portal combo guard. Uh, Oju, the power, small power forward, slasher, crasher, get those two guys along with Palmer and Queen, and then add a portal big and a, another portal shooter. Um, so, you know, you got to get another staffer in here now. Uh, you got to finish out the season, senior day uh, this weekend. Hopefully they can go out on strong. But it's been, been a very um, trials and tribulations season. But I've always loved their effort that they fought to the bitter end. Now, what, seven games decided by three points, but just can't get over the finish line because they can't throw it in the ocean. Hey, Keith, did they make yeah, yeah. did they make mistakes on those guys, Kowser and Smith and those guys? Well, when, no, they I mean, Vinny, when they evaluate when they evaluate them, what yeah. they see? They had to see Vinny, he was a non athlete. Yeah, they were all four stars. They were all top one hundreds. One was Virginia player of the year. The other was D.C. player of the year. Um, Kaiser hit shots all during his high school career. Lamoth was not known for his three-point shooting. DHS was known for more slashing, crashing. But forget about my opinion, anyone else. But every national recruiting industry had them all as four-star pluses. Um, you know, Treori's been nicked the last two games. He's been coming on based on what he had done earlier in the year. Love to see him out there more. But, again, I expect five or six guys to leave this program prematurely, i.e. not seniors that are graduating, and five or six new guys come in. So you will see a roster overhaul. Clearly, some of these guys, I expect two-thirds of the front line to be gone. This day and age, anybody can be gone. Um, you know, with NIL and everything. So there'll be a massive retooling of this roster. But to answer your question, Vinny, all these guys were much ballyhooed, accolades, everything in high school and had the numbers and had the game and were in this game and that game. It's not like they just fell off the pickle boat and they stink. Um, but it's, you know, the the high school class underachieved, the portal class underachieved, that we do see some moments from Geronimo that are encouraging. Um, so he's got to get both uh, square like he did two years ago when he had much better returns, particularly on the portal guys. Keith Cavanaugh, TerrapinTimes.com. Yeah, I remember people wanting Gary Williams fired for signing Kelly Hype, but that was way <laughs> back when. It is what it is. Keith, anything else we need to know about what's happening before we let well, you enjoy I will enjoy tell Vinny. I will tell Vinny spring ball is yet a month away. Every year it starts later. March 27th, spring ball doesn't start till. So we have a long time for you to start hitting me up with the spring football questions. Vinny Serrato. Keith Cavanaugh, have a great weekend. See you guys. There's Keith, uh, Keith Cavanaugh. Jamie Kaiser, Kelly Height comparison. Uh, Kelly Height was considered by a lot of people as a, an extreme reach by Gary Land and, you know, never had much of it. But this dude, Kaiser, four-star recruit. Yeah, player of the year in Virginia? That was Smith. D.C.? I don't know. Is there a, a bad year? Is there another D.C. that we haven't <laughs> been uh, 
but and he was a stud quarterback too in high really? school. I, yeah, what's the old saying? They whiffed on that one. We're not going to whiff when we come back. If we have time, a little funhouse trip. Nolan McGraw. We've got news from the nest coming up top of the hour. Chop Robinson ran really fast. Alexander Madison. He's going to get cundiffed in uh, Minnesota with the Vikings. Ravens could use some running backs. Jamison Hensley goes down to potential fits for Baltimore. We'll get into that in the one o'clock or twelve o'clock hour. Their experience in sports varies. Of course, uh, Vinny's got uh, experience in the NFL, and I sucked at uh, electric football. Vinny and Haney, 105.7 Fan. Girl, I'm leaving you tomorrow. Now, this is the Commodores. I'm easy. Like Sunday morning. Seems to me, girl, you know I've done all Lionel Richie, featured artist Friday. Anything you want to hear from him, send your request, Plaza Port Tax Line at 410-583-1057. We got you covered here. Got news from the Nets coming up top of the hour. Chip Patterson, CBSSports.com, is going to be joining us. Chip's going to engage us with uh, conversations uh, pertaining to a lot of things, I guess, Nolan, right? Well, mostly Combine, the top prospects this week. Yeah, Drake May, and he's based in Carolina, and he's not going to throw. Uh, Merrill Hodge has been full on napalming Drake May's potential to be a quality NFL player. So we'll see how that all works out. So stay tuned. We got NFL lunch. Jonas Schaefer from the Baltimore Banner will be joining us. Orioles taking on the Braves today. Coming up here at 105. Give it the lineup in a couple of minutes. But Nolan, how are you feeling over there? Feeling great. It's Friday, man. How could you not be feeling great? I mean, you sound like you're extremely enthused. So I'm trying to I'm yeah. trying to gas myself up here. It is Friday, Nolan. Remember that. <laughs> what time's the first uh, beer cap getting popped there? Uh, I don't think I have any beer in my fridge, so oh, acquiring boy. said beer will be step one. Yeah, you got. Well, I'm a trained professional, as everyone knows by now. I get my 30 pack on a Thursday, put it in the fridge in my basement Thursday night. So when I get home today around 2:45, depending on traffic, crack that puppy open. You strike me as a. You have like an emergency beer, like an emergency six pack. No, no, no. Break no, no, glass no. in case of emergency. No, 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 no. No, no. Used to. I mean, I'd have them in like my little toilet well there. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> that would sit next to the tidy bowl, man. <laughs> Hard at work, there. but I load up on the weekend stuff on Thursday, so you'll learn. I mean, hopefully, you won't get to where I've gotten, but you know, you know what I'm saying. We got time for a fun house trip. You ready to get out of here? Let's go to fun. Quick draws, fun house. Tidy bowl, man, starts drinking my beer though. The rudeness, tuneness, text reader. This side of the Chesapeake. I like that quick draw. 1057 The Fan. Start with this one here. Uh, resident Penn State fan Chris says, having watched both Robinson and Owe play, I can tell you Robinson definitely more natural when he's rushing. Uh, as far as the scheme, Manny Diaz, his defense relied more on blitzing uh, more than letting guys freelance. See, the, the big, like for the Ravens, there was a big difference between Wink and McDonald. And Wink didn't allow any freelancing whatsoever. You had to do exactly what you were supposed to do. Whereas McDonald, you could freelance. If you wanted to jump inside, you could. So that maybe that was why there was a lot more sacks with McDonald, too, because guys had more free reign. But I mean, that hadn't helped Oway. Uh, another one here talking combine. Texter says Bo Nix. 
is the best quarterback in this year's draft. Time will tell. Uh, he will end up being the best pro out of anyone. He is the next Andrew Luck. He doesn't have the arm Andrew Luck has. You know, that that's the biggest thing. And he had a bad senior bowl. He had a bad week down at the senior bowl. So, um, no, I, I don't. I would be shocked, you know, if he were to, to be the best one because he doesn't have. He, he might have the worst arm of those top 10 quarterbacks. And, and we get into these generational guys. Andrew Luck was dubbed the next thing for years. For two years. Yeah. yeah. Bo Nix isn't even considered the best quarterback in his draft class. Yeah. Much less much less an Andrew Luck kind of guy. Andrew Luck was going to be the first pick those for two years in a row. Correct. Uh, how about one more here? Texter says, who says Kaiser or Harris Smith won't hop in the portal? Right or wrong, maybe they feel like their coach is letting them down, not using them correctly. Is Queen's presence next year enough to keep them around? Well, let's put it this way. And Keith just said, two of the three front court guys are going to be gone. Well, two of them, Geronimo and Scott, are gone because they're 27 years old. They've exhausted their eligibility. So we're assuming that Julian Reese comes back. The backcourt is very, very iffy right now. So he said five. I mean, do we see Swanee or Swan Rogers coming back? I don't. Triori, maybe. Who knows? But you have two games left. Let's get Jonathan Lamoth off the bench. Get them splinters out of there and let him hit 16 in a game for you. Or he might say, I don't see a future. Peace out. Even though he was high school teammates. With Derek Queen. So who knows? They might. I mean, if we're comparing Jonathan, or excuse me, Jamie Kaiser Jr. to Kelly Height, and I don't know what Kelly Height's been doing for the last 26 years of his life, quite frankly. Hopefully it's a productive life. But that's from a basketball standpoint, that is really, really bad. Nick Bosnick has led bias compared to Kelly Height. It's Vinny at 80, 1057 The Fed. We'll be back. News from the Nest. We got Buy or Sell at 1215. And that talk combine with Chip Patterson from CBS Sports. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. On your home for the best Ravens coverage. It's 
time for News from the Nest with Vinny and Haney. Sponsored by Window Nation. Winter is here. With Window Nation, replacing those old windows is easier and more affordable than you think. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. 1057 The Fan. You know, Gino might be the best seventh-round pick that we've ever had. He's put himself in an awesome position. We're fortunate that we have some some good safety depth, and I'm not really sure exactly what that means for Gino and the Ravens, but if he doesn't come back and play with us, he's going to be a great pick for somebody else. That's Eric DaCosta talking about Gino Stone, and today at the Combine, it's DBs and tight ends and referencing seventh-round pick out of Iowa who, you know, was sent to Houston, I believe it was. Yeah. Wasn't he at a couple different places? Then came back, and last yeah. year, you know, was one of the leading interceptors in the National Football League after Marcus Williams got hurt. But at the end of the season, he was not even starting for the team. He's going to go to greener pastures. Yep. He's even said he wants to get paid as a starter. He's a green dot guy, Yep. as we've talked about, Vinny. And he's got three coaches out there that can use him. And question is for the Ravens as we talk about defensive backs, because they could use probably one or two of each moving forward here. You know, can you find that diamond in the rough sort of player like a Geno Stone? I mean, those are rare. That's not the norm. Yeah, seventh rounder. And you got to give that kid a lot of credit because he made himself into a player is what he did. I I think what happened to him was because he got cut. He got cut the first cut. You know, he didn't make the team. So and then, you know, the practice squads and right scheme, right time. And I think there was a lot of things that worked together there. Does he fit in everybody's scheme? Probably not. He's got to fit in the scheme that he's not playing a ton of man coverage in is one big thing. You know, and he's going to get his interceptions because he's super smart. He's got awareness, those kind of things. That's why I think I think the Tennessee, Miami, Seattle, one of those guys will pay him more than the Ravens. Because if he comes back to the Ravens, he's a backup. He ain't coming here. He he, he always said he wants to start. So, yeah, he he will not be back here. The thing that they've got to do, Bob, all right, let's say they get a corner in the first round. All right. They they still need. I'd love for him to get Darby back because I think Darby can play. But they got no backup safety. They're going to get a, they're going to draft a backup safety again in the fifth, sixth, or seventh round. I'll bet you. Now, Mel Kuyper Jr., his uh, mock draft number two came out earlier this week from Baltimore, Calvert Hall, go Cardinals. He has the Ravens at 30, taking Kamari Lassiter, cornerback out of Georgia. And we talked about this yesterday and in the opening of the show. Chop Robinson did very well for himself yes. in the physical uh, achievement stuff, the physical challenge. Mel's mock draft has him going 31 to San Francisco. Now, based on what happened with Chop Robinson, and we'll see what Lasseter does today (laughs) along with the others. I mean, is Chop Robinson a guy that's even going to be around at this stage for either team? Because the Ravens obviously could use a Lasseter and a Chop Robinson. Yeah, I would say probably not, Bob. I mean... It all depends because, you know, if he's going earlier than what, what's falling, you know, because what's Mel got like eight offensive tackles before Robinson goes. So then does a tackle fall down? I mean, you need that too. I mean, they've got so many needs, Bob, that they can take other than, other than a quarterback, other than a quarterback and an inside linebacker, I wouldn't be taking at 30. Other than those two spots, Bob, I mean – 
They could, and a safety. They could take anything. They could take anything because they need it all. Um, but I would say, you know, a corner. But you need, they just don't have enough picks for as many spot, spots as they, that's, that's why, you know, if you can get a Darby back and you can get, you know, some of these other guys, maybe Simpson, the guard, maybe you get him back cheap. You know, you get some of these other guys back, not that expensive. Now, we get into the draft profiles next week and then throughout the next couple of months into draft day, which is coming up late April. You're, they stay at 30. The chances are what? You think they're trading back? Trading up? Probably no, not reality. No way. But trading out of the first round, you think that's a strong possibility here? Unless there's only one. And I, and I don't anticipate them that there's only one guy left on the board that they like there. If there's multiple guys they like, which there probably should be because they need so many positions. Then you trade back, especially like if somebody wants to come up and and there's a quarterback that hadn't gone yet, that somebody wants to come up and get a quarterback. And if you only have to drop back 10 spots, and and ideally what you'd love to do is get somebody that has, you know, a middle, has two twos. So you can get, maybe you can get both their twos, that type of thing. Then you can get two quality you know, hopefully you get two starters for yourself. Now, what do you think, people, you want to get in? A cornerback or, you know, pass rusher, offensive lineman at 30. You're Eric DaCosta. Share your thoughts at 410-583-1057. It is news from the Nest here on this Featured Artist Friday. Jameson Hensley from ESPN.com wrote today about the need for a running back and many of the fancy names. And there are fancy names out here. Yes, they are. Alexander Madison becomes part of the list, not as fancy as those. We're going to talk about Derrick Henry, 30 years old, coming off a year with a production. He still played 17 games, but production declined just a little bit. RG3 said on social media way back when, Derrick Henry should be a Raven because he already plays like a raven i mean none of that's gonna matter money's gonna be part of it and you know how much is left in the tank yeah does he fit todd munkin's style of offense here well you know what'd be interesting bob is because i'm sure you know what george kukanis and vince newsom they're the pro guys so they're evaluating and so's and and you know what taggart the running back coach is a big part of this too and so's todd munkin because they're evaluating all those free agent running backs bob and then what they'll do is they'll go in a room in Harbs, and they'll they'll rank them. They'll have them ranked. You know, I, I don't. You know, who? Let's say Swift is one, Henry's two. But all those guys rank. And then what? What we used to do was okay. And then I I tell the OC, all right, Todd, Willie, Harbs, all right, you put Justice Hill. Where does Justice Hill fit in that group? You know, all right. There's six guys better than Justice Hill. We could really improve ourselves if we get any of these guys kind of thing, you know, and and you're evaluating Gus. Gus would be down that list, too. So, all right, you know, and you go in your pecking order. And like you said, Bob, health, money, there's a lot of different factors that that go in there. And and if if we get the fifth guy and he's better than all of them and he fits our money, we improved. Saquon Barkley, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, said that someone from the Ravens told him, could you imagine Saquon Barkley and Lamar Jackson in the same backfield? Now, Saquon said Houston's his destination. That's what... There's a lot of rumors right now. But Saquon, would he be more of a fit, per se, 
Oh, Saquon would be a great fit because yeah. you can line him up well, yeah, wide in the kinda, back. I think Saquon's him. a great fit, Bob. I think Swift is a, a great fit. All the guys that have versatility oh, yeah. can line up wide. Cordell Woodland, like Zach Moss, who flashed for yep. the Colts when Taylor was hurt. Yeah, But Swift, yeah. I'm going to be a Swifty. DeAndre Swift, that yes. is, with all due respect to Taylor. But who knows? But Saquon to Baltimore, is that uh, a cost-effective cost move here? I think that'd be We'll see what the, who the first one out of the gate comes. But I, I think the Giants are going to be offering him like 10. And I mean, if you're him and you got, Bob, you got an $8 million offer from the Ravens and some incentives, or you got a deal for $10 million, you know, same years and everything, um, to the Ravens. I'm going to. I'm not going to the Giants. Oh, I got I'm, no quarterback. I'm no. all about Baltimore. Yeah, I'm me on too. the horn with uh, Odell Beckham Jr. And you know, I, he's from Penn State, so he's familiar yeah. to some level. Josh Jacobs. I don't know about this one. Well, they big year last year. Not so much this year. They know the Alabama players extremely well, so they know his, you know, off the, you know, his character stuff. But, I mean, he, he, I mean, Bob, the year before, what did he have? 2,000 yards. Yeah, he was the leading rusher yeah. in the league. So, I don't, I, uh, I mean, if he could do it one year, Bob, there, there was a reason what happened this past year. You know, I mean, he was bitching, complaining a lot. He didn't like, you know, he wasn't happy. Just like, you know, Lamar didn't play the last six games. He wasn't happy. Yeah, and we'll get into the other candidates, some fancy names, and potential uh, salary cap cuts because if you pick up a salary cap guy, Correct me if I'm wrong. You don't lose a pick for them. Like you sign a free agent, you can use a, you lose a compensatory pick. I don't think a cap guy would count in that area, but I could be wrong. It's video at eighty one oh five seven the fed. We got buy or sell. Where's our weekend money? Let's spend it up. Let's party this weekend. Get Nolan's fridge stocked because he's empty from beer, as he just told everybody. And then we'll talk about the sports subjects, talk combine. Chip Patterson, CBSSports.com. He's based out of North Carolina. You can talk about everybody, but he's seen Drake May multiple times. Where's Merrill Hodge coming from with this blowtorch sort of criticism? Are you buying? Great cash, homie. Or are you selling? I'm not going to buy into that crap. Vinny and Haney, 1057, The Fan. Vinny and 1057, The Fan. Orioles taking on the Braves, 105. Give it the lineups next segment. Stay tuned for that. Got Chip Patterson talking about the NFL Combine, which is underway out in Indianapolis. Maryland taking on Indiana on Sunday, trying to salvage something. Final two games of the regular season, last home game of the year for Kevin Willard's Turtles and many other things happening as well. But most importantly, maybe, let's count that money. Where's that weekend cash by yourself? Whoa. All right, Bob, the Dow's up 58. The S&P's up 25. NASDAQ is up 119. DraftKings down 26 cents. Under Armour is down 10 cents, 844. How about that NVIDIA stock, Bob? It's up $26.817. I don't know what it is, and it doesn't it's benefit me. So, uh, it's an AI chip. There you go. I bought it at $44. Look at there. AI. AI. Taking over. Allen Iverson. <laughs> the answer. Uh, let's see. Uh, buy or sell, of course, brought to us by the Farmer's Dog. Start at the Combine here, where the Commanders, looking for their next franchise quarterback, They've got a premium draft pick to work with, so as you would imagine this week, nothing but interviews with the quarterback draft class. And uh, apparently, according to Adam Schefter and others, 
Josh Harris, new team owner, has been sitting in on some of these interviews with the quarterbacks. Given the weight of the pick, the significance of it, it's not surprising that he's interested or wants to be a little more hands-on. But Vinny, you know, you lived this firsthand yes, with I that owner-GM dynamic. Buy or sell, Harris should be a little more hands-off in this decision. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy it. I, you know, because he said he sits in the NBA draft rooms and stuff. I don't, I don't know if he goes to the NBA combine and sits there, you know, when Philly got Embiid or what. The only problem is, like, when Dan Snyder, uh, an owner, if he doesn't know what he doesn't know, then it's trouble. Because what happens is, is owners fall in love is what they do. And, you know, they don't watch film. They're just falling in love with the interview. That's the problem. You know, I mean, Dan Quinn fell in love with Brady Quinn. That's a quarterback. That is my guy. He's awesome. How did, what film do you watch? I didn't watch any film. Just from the interview. Dan Snyder, you mean? Yeah, that's what... That's, Dan, Dan Quinn would be like, no, I'm past. Yeah, I mean, so... <laughs> I, uh, you know, if he had a football background, or just... If you want to sit there, fine. But don't tell me what to do. Go a little uh, Terps here, where Jameer Young, he's only worn a Maryland uniform for two years, but already left a strong statistical mark on the program, uh, averaging over 20 points per game this season. That has him in elite company when you look at some of the best scoring seasons for the school. But when it comes to free throws, he may be top dog. He hit 11 of 12 against Northwestern, now holds a 90.5 free throw percentage on the season. That's second only to Greg Manning's 90.8% mark in the 79-80 season. Buy or sell, Bob. Young will hit enough in these final two games to pass Manning. Um, uh, buy it, I guess. I don't know. I prefer he hit some threes. Maybe not turn the ball over as much. And uh, Greg Manning, his son's an assistant for Willard. He was uh, leading the league in uh, free throw shooting when they were winning the ACC championship and going to the Sweet 16. Jameer Young's accomplishments. Hey, congratulations, young man. Doing some good things at a big-time school. But, you know, come on. Go, baby. Greg Manning's money was j- his jumper was money and his free throws were money. But yes, I'll buy it. What the hell? I don't know. I don't care. In the NFL, a few Gary years Moore. ago, Marshawn Lattimore was with. regarded as one of the best corners in the league. But after a few injury plague seasons, his future in New Orleans it's a bit in question right now, especially because his contract has no guaranteed money, so it would be easy to move on from. Current deal carries a fourteen point six million dollar cap hit for this upcoming season. Dennis Allen. He's vouching for the corner, says that he's going to be a big part of the team, but a lot of people think that he could be traded or at least shopped around. Vinny Byers sell with three years left on his contract. The Saints should give him one more season to get healthy and prove himself. Um, I'm going to sell it. I, I would, uh, they've, you know, the Mike Thomas, they've had a lot of guys, the safety they just cut. They've had a lot of guys that have missed time with injuries. Uh, I'd move on. Uh, Would you sail on down the line? Yeah, I'd half, sail on. Half, half a mile or so. <laughs> <laughs> a little baseball here. The Nationals, they're not going to compete for a World Series this oh. year, but they are coming off a somewhat competitive season fueled by their young talent. C.J. Abrams, he's at the forefront. 28 doubles last year, 47 stolen bases in his first full season in the majors. Only 23 years old, seems to have even more upside. Buy or sell, Bob. Abrams will take that next step 
and play at an all-star caliber level. Oh, I'm buying it. I mean, he's a stud. Came over from San Diego in that Juan Soto trade a couple of years ago. He's one of them linchpin kind of guys. What was he, a top five pick, if I'm not mistaken, when he was coming out of the amateur ranks? Oh, yes. He will be a monster player for a team that's still taking its lumps in the Washington Nationals, who, by the way, are no longer for sale, apparently. I saw that. According to the learner. And lastly here, again, in the NFL, we're anticipating that Odell Beckham Jr. will be playing elsewhere next season. But you remember, he waited a while to sign last year. There was a lot of question among interested teams if he was truly healthy enough, ultimately landed in Baltimore. What will his market be like this year? Well, NFL.com's Nick Shook uh, is anticipating that he will kind of wait and see, field all of his offers. He won't be signing right away in that first week of free agency. And uh, Nick here ultimately has him landing with his former team, the Giants. Uh, There was a recent mock-up here, free agency matchmaker for NFL.com. Vinny, are you buying or selling those chances of a Giants-Odell reunion? Sell. I think he's got a better chance to go to the Jets. The thing that's going to hurt all those free agent receivers is the draft is super deep. What do we hear Eric say? We, there's one in every round that we like kind of thing, and there's a lot of you know great elite players this year. Best draft for wide receivers in a while. I I think all you're stupid if you go want to go get a free agent wide receiver with, and unless you wait till after the draft. If you don't get anything in the, after the draft, that's when you can get paid some money. And how much is he willing to take financially after getting 15 uh, mil from the Ravens? A cool yeah. 15 mil at that. I'm guessing he gets. Half? Uh, he may get a little more than that. Eight to ten. Oh, man. I don't know. Based on what? His reputation? Yeah. Because production I, doesn't say I, ten I'm, mil. I'm guessing Jets or Chiefs. Well, well they did just uh, send Valdez Scantlin yeah. out there to the free agent market themselves. Which well, the thing them he can do, mil. Bob, is what was the biggest issue Kansas City had last year? Five receiver. Catch the ball. Yes. And what does he do best? Catch the ball. Yep. If you throw it to him. It's Vinny and Haney, 1057. <laughs> the fan will come back. Chip Patterson, CBSSports.com. Give you the Orioles lineup against the Braves coming up at 105. NFL lunch, Jonas Schaefer going to uh, sit down, talk a little football, talk about the combine free agency. And hey, look, got to start dropping some tags here soon enough. Your sports information station, 1057. The fan. Vinny and Haney, 1057 The Fan, featured artist Friday, Lionel Richie, Commodores, whichever you prefer. Send your song request, plot support text line, 410-583-1057. Orioles taking on the Braves. Give it the lineup here before the 1 o'clock hour. 105 first pitch. Bob Haney, Vinny Serato. It is the combine going on in Indianapolis. Here to talk about that and some of the top prospects from CBSSports.com friend of the show he's on the wgk law guest hotline let's welcome in chip patterson chip what is going on my friend oh you didn't want to talk about your turf you, no, you know, no, 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 no. now a bad time coming out of that northwestern result we you know, we don't want to talk about kevin willard and the turf you know, no, what northwestern result how about the first Rutgers game the two uh, the ohio state game that you know what i mean we get a lot of those sorts of things the nine percent from beyond the arc chip patterson no we can save that till we get to March Madness, which Maryland's not going to be a part of. You know, I mean, I'm not sharing right, right. any secrets uh, with you. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was just, you know, because they're going to be on CBS on Sunday. They're yeah. playing Indiana. Another the game that. What's the more disappointing teams, team, though? 
they're both kind of sucky. For both those teams, the game in in another world or in anywhere close to what the preseason expectations would be, we'd be talking about seed implications for the Big Ten tournament. You know, we'd be talking about you know which one of these teams do you trust moving forward. Uh, I was I was just breaking it down before we got on the line. I was like, I I got to think that if there's any motivational edge. It would be with that Maryland coaching staff just to make sure you don't drop two straight at home. Yeah, well, we'll see how it goes. Uh, by the way, 2002, we'd be talking about who's winning the national championship because they'd be playing for the national title. But those were the good old days, Chip Patterson. Let's get into the combine real quick. Drake May, North Carolina, and you're based there in ACC country. Merrill Hodge has been full on dropping bombs on this guy's skills. Uh, what Lack of arm strength, lack of athleticism, et cetera, et cetera. Where's all the venom coming from here? need to nitpick um you know you as a scout um i don't know if there's any scouts in the listening audience but they'll back me up on this you're handed a card and uh all scouts for all the nfl teams you need to fill out pluses and minuses and so the if you want to throw a minus on there for drake may in terms of some of the inconsistent performance you know that's absolutely there you look at the beginning and the end of last season it wasn't real strong but in the middle he had a run where he had 16 touchdowns and just one interception. And it's not necessarily a, a competition thing because he would play great against uh, Miami, a team full of you know, four-star, five-star prospects, and then he would play awful against Virginia, uh, a football team that was barely competitive. So, you know, it's a, it was a mixed bag. If you want to say consistency there, but I, I'm, I don't know where the venom is coming from in, ter- in terms of I had not heard um, those comments, I think arm strength is very silly. I think he has shown on tape the ability to make all the throws and make them on the move without having to be somebody who relies on the, you know, Mahomesian kind of, uh, you know, off-platform stuff that everyone seems obsessed with. Uh, he's got great size. Like, I'm, I think that the nitpicking of Drake May is relative to the fact that you need to be able to fill out your scouting card with some negatives and that you are debating Drake May against Jaden Daniels in the non-Caleb Williams division. Take anybody who's throwing dirt on Drake May, ask them to put him in a conversation against QB4, QB5, QB6, and no self-respecting scout is saying that. So this is relative negativity only because they're stacking them up against those very top spots. Uh, No one is going to think that this is not a a prospect of value in the NFL draft. How do you see the top three quarterbacks, Chip? My opinion or how I think it's going to go? No, I, I want your opinion. I would go Drake May 1, Caleb Williams 2, um, Jane Daniels 3. And for what? what's your reasoning for that? Because it's kind of uh, um, different than what most people are saying. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe that uh, Caleb Williams – while he was able to be absolutely electric at USC and just make some absolutely stupid throws, I do think that there was a book on how to beat him, and I would go back to the Notre Dame game. I don't have my notes from that um, right pulled up right now, but in the Notre Dame game, the Fighting Irish were able to get pressure on him without having to blitz a lot and – you know, that's some of that's USC's offensive line had a very bad game. Notre Dame had a good defensive line. That's plain. But it made me think about, you know, the Caleb Williams skill set. and What's Caleb Williams going to be like in the NFL? And I think that, you know, under pressure, under duress, Notre Dame came up with a book and a game plan that 
you know, at, at least gave me some pause. And, and I mean, we're talking about excellent quarterbacks and, you know, nitpicking at the margins. Um, I, I would take Drake May over Caleb Williams, but Drake May, here, here's my top tier. Drake May, Caleb Williams, Jane Daniels, and J.J. McCarthy. And then a line. And then we go down to tier two. But those four, you know, if we can nitpick like a one versus two, two versus three, three versus four, kind of, you know, shake them up in different orders. But uh, to me, that is the top tier of quarterbacks in this draft class. Now, Chip, talk to me about uh, Peyton Willis, another guy down your area, NC State, and he blew away the combine yesterday. I know he's had, you know, the medical is going to be key for him, but, you know, athletically he was off the charts. Yeah, Peyton Wilson, All-American linebacker, um, you know, phenomenal high school athlete, you know, multi-sport athlete in Hillsborough, North Carolina, about, you know, 40, 45 minutes from me right now. He was, you know, between UNC and NC State, you know, originally committed to UNC, big time, you know, commit, then all of a sudden he flips to NC State. We've been well aware of his athletic ability for a long time. Him testing well um, is no surprise at all. The thing that is exciting about Peyton Wilson is his instincts uh, because he is someone who played six years of college football because of some of those season-ending injuries. Like you mentioned, the medicals will be important. But that guy, when he is just sort of in the flow, everything seems natural to him. And it's been interesting at these combine interviews to hear Peyton Wilson come out and say that, you know, someone who he always modeled his game after was Carolina Panthers former linebacker Luke Keekley mm-hmm. because I think there is a lot of that in Peyton Wilson's game where so much of him being able to be around the ball um, all the time and fill up all those you know stats and he is not just a stat stuffer he is around the ball because he is an instinctive linebacker just like Keekley was so yeah I mean not surprised at all that he's testing well athletically because of his profile going back to high school but the reason you're going to want him. It's because of what's going on between his ears. Now, Chip, talk to me about the depth in the O-line because everybody, you know, I I think Mel had like eight O-linemen going in the first round. So talk to me about the depth. Um, A rare thing. You know, these you're not always going to find draft classes that are built out like this. Uh, I think that it is happening in part maybe because of the COVID year where you've got an extra year of eligibility. We had more fourth, fifth-year players, you know, guys coming back. And so, yeah, if, I think that the reason that you're seeing um, a lot of these mock drafts with a lot of offensive linemen probably has to do with the fact that you don't always get, um, you know, that kind of supply uh, in a draft class. Hey, Chip, uh, do you think that it's Marvin Harrison and everybody else, or is it closer than that? I think it's closer than that. If you wanted to take Roma Dunze over Marvin Harrison, uh, I would not be upset with that. And Malik Neighbors is so much fun. I don't think that he is as far back. I don't think he's like in another uh, league than Marvin Harrison Jr. Again, like you say, Marvin Harrison Jr. one, Roman Dunze two, Malik Neighbors three. Uh, okay, fine. We can nitpick over the order there uh, in a few spots, but I do think that that is the conversation. It is not Marvin Harrison Jr. and then line. Roma Dunze, Malik Neighbors, it, they deserve to be in that conversation as well. Hey, Chip, in your mind, what are the weakest positions for the draft? Uh, I don't I, – I'm not sure. What do you think? I can tell you what I can Running back, it sounds like. Yeah, because you've got like Audric Estime from Notre Dame, I heard, might end up being um, one of the top running backs that ends up in the in the picture there. You've got some – some real interesting conversations to have about Clemson's Will Shipley, just in terms of being a, 
you know, multi-talented, can catch it out of the backfield kind of guy. Um, I, I don't think the college game has given us a lot of dominant running backs. Um, it is something that is kind of cycling its way out. Um, we'll see if that changes. But right now, just a combination of offenses, combination of uh, the way that a lot of these, a lot of these offenses like to use running back by committee. You don't have a lot of the Derrick Henrys anymore carrying the ball 38 times per game on your way to a Heisman Trophy. So not surprised that the NFL draft reflects that as well. Chip Patterson, CBSSports.com, joining us here. Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan. Chip, as always, appreciate the time. The next time we speak, we'll get into the March Madness sort of thing. Uh, Chip throwing a little shade at Maryland right out of the gate, too, which was interesting. But anyway, tell everybody what's happening at CBSSports.com because if we had time, I would we'd be talking about the miracle that it was that Kyle Filipowski actually got to play after getting run over by 7,000 people against Wake Forest, who then lost to Notre Dame their next game, by the way. Yeah, modern medicine's amazing, isn't it? You know, we're just so happy that Kyle was able to be restored along the way. I mean, look, I, I am locked and loaded on college basketball right now. I'm going to be on CBS Sports HQ coming up here at 1.30. I'll be on CBS Sports Network at 3.15. Uh, tomorrow we've got a 10 a.m. show that's going to be giving you some of your best bets over on Sportsline. Um, tons of college hoops on CBS and CBS Sports Network on Saturday and Sunday. I mean, it, you flip your calendar – it is March. Oh, you yeah. know what time it is. Yeah, it's time to start hitting some threes if you're uh, Maryland against uh, Indiana. He's Chip Patterson. He's CBSSports.com. Chip, we appreciate the time as always. Have a great weekend. We'll talk soon. Good. Y'all be well. There Thanks. he is. Chip Patterson, everybody. It's Vinny and Haney, 105.7. The fan will come back, give you the Orioles lineup against the Braves, 105 first pitch, and also who's throwing the ball for the Birds of Baltimore. Coming from behind yesterday to beat the Pirates in a rematch of the 71 and 79 World Series, Jonas Schaefer from the Baltimore Banner. He'll be joining us for some NFL lunch at 1 o'clock. Work, work sucks. sucks. They don't. Vinny and Haney, 105.7. The fan. Vinny and Haney, 1057 The Fan, featured artist Friday. Lionel, oh, dancing on the ceiling. There we go. Once he got into the little hook there. Come on. Come on, Nolan, get up. Start dancing on the ceiling. Now, if you do that, we're taking you right to somebody special and make some money off of you. It's like that singing frog in them cartoons way back when. Remember the frog would get out and start singing, hello, my baby, and then the guy tried to sell him, and then he wouldn't sing. You start dancing on the ceiling. We're on to something special here on 105.7 The Fan. Orioles hoping to be special here in 2024. They have special 2023, but with that comes expectations, which are now higher moving into the year. Might not duplicate the buck 01, but we'll tell you, 95, getting deep in the playoffs. I'm all over that. Lineup today for the Birds of Baltimore against the Braves. 105 first pitch. We will keep you up to date on the score. Throughout the final hour of our program, Colton Kalzer, he's off to a hot start. He's in center field. Anthony Santander, he's in right field. We've got Ryan Mountcastle missed a day yesterday, not because he put the wrong name in the lineup card, as Nolan surmised. Maybe you weren't dancing on the ceiling that particular uh, hot take, but he was sick, and that's why he didn't play. But he's playing today. He's your DH batting third. Ryan O'Hearn. Cleaning up at first base, James McCann behind the dish. Ramon Arias is at second base. 
Jordan Westberg's at third. Jackson Holiday at his more natural shortstop position. Brian Roberts said some interesting things about that transition earlier in the show. Maybe we could revisit that one around one thirty. Anyway, Tyler Nevitt, who's seven for twelve during the spring, he's in left field. Tyler Wells is on the hill for the Orioles as he is now back in the rotation, unless he pitches himself out of it because of the injuries to Kyle Bradish and John Means. Bruce Zimmerman's going to throw Matt Crook, Caleb Ort, and Andrew Suarez. The travel roster includes Dylan Beavers, Judd Fabian, Dante Williams, Daniel Johnson, who's had a monster spring so far, and Errol Robinson, T.T. Bowens. Cole Irvin will start tomorrow against the Yankees. That game is on Masson, by the way. If you're looking to watch the Orioles on the tube, and then Grayson Rodriguez will throw the old horse side at the Pirates in Bradenton on Sunday. Brandon Hyden, only get in here for this one. Talk, and I didn't even notice this, and I apologize for not, but Yanir Cano hasn't pitched yet in a spring game, and Brandon Hyde said, nothing to see here, please disperse. We're just kind of, he worked a ton of innings last year. He'll get his work in. There is nothing stressing, nothing wrong with him. From a health perspective, he's been throwing sides all spring long. Right. Well, I think it was uh, Jacob Calvin Meyer, forgive me, one of the writers that we have on, was saying that watching Yenny or Cano throw one of those side sessions, bullpen, whatever it was, live BP against some of the batters, that he looked great. Not sure why he hasn't gotten into a game yet because a handful of guys have gone out there two, three times at this point. Sure. But if it's no injury, then it's fine with me. Hyder also said Gunnar Henderson will be ready to rock and roll three or four days. He took live BP today. He's been hitting in the cage. So Gunnar Henderson, the stud for the Orioles, future MVP maybe. Don't want to put that sort of burden on him. But he'll be in that lineup sooner or later. By the way, the Braves today scratched Ronald Acuna who is scheduled to be the leadoff hitter. He's dealing with a little uh, right knee sore, uh, soreness. Uh, Bryce Elder, he's on the hill. Braves have a lot of talented young pitchers, and he is one of them. And you're right, the um, Paul Skeens, he does have the uh, – He's got the, the Dylan C. Spencer Strider <laughs> kind of stash working here. Very 70s-like. Is that what allows you to throw 100 miles per hour? Uh, 102. Yeah. I can't. I couldn't grow a mustache if I tried for like three weeks. Yeah, I don't know if I – I've never tried. I'm a, you know, Irish white guy. I can't grow – I had two chest hairs. They both turned gray. Can't even <laughs> see them anymore. But that's what happens. But anyway, Bryce Elder is another one of these talented pitchers. You talk about expectations. Orioles have high ones. So do the Braves. I mean, they're a couple years removed from winning the World Series. But with Atlanta and L.A., they got big payrolls. They got a lot of big talent. I mean, the the shortcomings in the postseason is not something that is taken lightly. L.A. won up and doubled and tripled down financially with their acquisitions in the offseason. So it's going to be – it's a grind now. It's no longer just winning the American and National League going right to the World Series or just winning a best three out of five league championship series with wild cards and now six teams in, which, by the way, I'm cool with. If anything would change before we get to the top of the hour and get to Jonas Schaefer, talk some Ravens. What do you think, ladies and gentlemen and guys, Vinny and Nolan, about making the wild card round best three out of five? I mean, the World Series is already in November anyway. What's another three days? I mean, you went from one game to, to three. Past the, you know what I mean? I mean, now you're you're making or the— may, or, or make the division round four out of seven. 
I mean, I the NHL and the yeah. NBA is all best of seven oh, now. NHL playoffs last over a month. Yeah, so the NBA's like two months. Yeah. It goes from the playoffs to the draft. Yeah. Like it, but they used to be best three out of five series. Mm. Now they're maximizing that postseason dollar here. Why it not? Still doesn't solve the rust versus rest thing where your top dogs have to sit around and wait now even longer before they can no, play. But, their but first I'm series. saying leave the wild card at two, but just extend the division best to seven so you don't have three bad days and then your seasons peace out like the Orioles were last right. year. I right, maybe. More baseball is more baseball. Oh, I'm yeah. cool with it. I mean, then it gets into logistics with travel and whatnot. You know what I mean? So, I mean, smarter people than us will figure this out. All we know is we'll have to pay for it either way, whether it's buying a, a $70,000 beer or your cable bill or your streaming going through the roof. <sighs> Sports is big money, and it trickles down to oh, us. Saps boy. the fans. It's yes, Vinny it and Haney, 105.7 The Fan. When we come back, Jonas Schaefer. Baltimore Banner, let's talk some Ravens with him. Free agency is soon to be here, well, about three weeks away. Not even, less than three weeks. What are the Ravens going to do? Or when are they going to tag you it to Justin Matabike? Or is there real momentum to possibly getting him done to a long-term day? Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. An insider's look at the National Football League. It's NFL Lunch. Presented by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. With Vinny and Haney on 105.7 The Fan. All right, let's feed you some football here on this Featured Artist Friday, which is Lionel Richie or the Commodores, whatever you prefer. Send your request, plus for text line at 410-583-1057. Bob Haney, Vinny Serrato. NFL Combine happening as we speak. It's DBs and tight ends working out today. Well, tight ends, probably not for the Ravens. I'm not Vince Lombardi, but DBs, however, is an area of need. And here to talk about that and other things like free agency looming from the Baltimore banner, WGK Law Guest Hotline. Let's welcome back to the show. He's Jonas Schaefer. Jonas, what's happening, man? Afternoon, fellas. How's it going? Good. All right. Let's talk with, uh, we were mentioning this earlier, and we were talking yesterday with Brian Wacker, I believe it was, from the Baltimore Sun. It, it, Mel Kuyper, for instance, has uh, the Ravens taken Lassiter, the cornerback, out of Georgia at 30 with Chop Robinson going the next pick to San Francisco, which is probably going to change after what he did at the Combine yesterday. But your order of importance for the Ravens, maybe not necessarily in the draft, but the offseason is a cornerback one, this two, O-line's got to be up there somewhere. Jonas Schaefer, your urgency level is where with the Ravens position needs-wise? Man, I think you got to start a punter, right? No, no. (laughs) For me, um, I guess I can't really go with a position because like a specific position, one of the 22 in the field, just because offensive line is obviously so high up there. Um, you know, I don't know, man. I, I guess just like find out exactly what you want to do at left tackle, find out, you know, where things stand there with, with Ronnie Stanley. You know, they, they can't drag their feet because he's due that, that I think four or $5 million roster bonus on the, on the fifth day of the league year. 
So, um, and, you know, and if you if you cut him for that cap relief, it makes the most sense to do it with a post June one designation, which means you don't get that cap relief until after June first. So there's not really much flexibility there and like getting someone who's coming to market. So I would imagine that they're going to make a, you know, left tackle of the future pick in this draft. Um, I think that makes the most sense. I think it makes sense to get a, a running back. I guess you could, you could plausibly make the argument that RB one is a very important position, uh, especially considering, you know, just not only the fact that the Ravens didn't feel confident enough in those guys to, hand them the rock against the chiefs, but also when they were in there, you know, they were responsible for some bad plays. You know, there were a lot of missed blocks uh, from even reliable guys like justice Hill that were surprising and will need to be rectified this off season. So uh, you could really go a lot of ways, but you know, I guess I'm, I'm of the mind that like the Ravens officials seem to be offensive line. However, you kind of cut up that pie has probably got to, probably got to be priority one. Jonas, I could see a scenario where you keep Ronnie because you figure he's going to be as healthy as he's been since 2019, you know, because there's no surgeries, no nothing. So, and it's cheaper to keep him for one more year. All right. So let's say they keep him for one more year. And then like you said, they draft their tackle, you know, and maybe they do like they did with Jonathan Ogden, whoever they take, they play him at left guard for a year. And then a year from now, then you get rid of Ronnie and then he just moves right out. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that was why I went with uh, in my first mock draft. Uh, for the banner this this week, I think it went up on Monday. I went with uh, Fatu Tanu from from Washington because you know, he's a guy who doesn't have doesn't have Jonathan Ogden's size. He's pretty much on the end of X spectrum, but you know there's there's no reason that that lack of length is disqualifying in any way. I mean, you look at a guy like Rashawn Slater, you know, six four, light, not extremely long, but just really technically sound. Was an mm-hmm. All Pro that first year. Was was pretty good this past year, and um, you know. If you want to look at other models for guys who can kind of slide back and forth, you look at Tyler Smith. Excuse me, Tyler Smith coming into Dallas, you know, was I believe a, a left tackle for all of his career in college. Goes to uh, goes to Dallas, starts out at guard. He's moved to left tackle when Tyron Smith gets hurt. Then Tyron Smith comes back, and Tyron Smith, you know, moves back to guard. He becomes an All Pro, and it seems like you know they now have that flexibility with him where he could go at either spot and be a stud either way. So. You just need to find a guy who's going to give you, you know, four or five good years on that rookie contract. And uh, it seems like this is a good draft to be on the market for someone like that because there's just so many talented guys, even if not all of them are plausibly guard tackle switcheroo dudes. Hey, Jonas, what kind of faith do you have or trust do you have in Falele or Cleveland to ever be a starter for the Ravens? I'm definitely – more bullish on Ben Cleveland at this point in his career. Uh, you know, obviously, I think he put some good film on tape toward the end of the last year with, with the full knowledge that there was a lot of attention paid from Tyler Linderbaum to kind of be, you know, his right-hand man, even though he's on the left side uh, in those situations. So I, I would say more optimistic about uh, Ben Cleveland, even though he's not super stiff, even though I don't know if he's a great fit for this Todd Munkin offense especially if they, you know, go to more zone schemes, you know, because he really have that ability to kind of scoop the, the five technique, the whatever it needs to be to, to, to be someone who's a good run blocker, which was, you know, his MO coming out of Georgia. Um, but I, I don't want to write off that Lele either. You know, I think he, for as kind of disappointing as he was in the regular season, he, he was still, I think, a lot more, you know, 
sure of himself. He was a lot more proficient, certainly in the preseason than he was as a rookie. And, you know, we have to remember that he's still pretty young for, you know, a guy at that position. Um, he certainly got the, the, the frame to be a powerful run blocker, even if he hasn't really realized that potential yet. So I, I don't want to write off either guy, but I would definitely say 2024 wise, I'm more optimistic about Ben Cleveland being a starter than Bob Lele. Now, Jonas, I could see, uh, tell me what you think. I could see a later pick, maybe one of the sevens, a blocking tight end because they don't, they don't have one on the roster. Yeah, I mean, and that's the that's kind of what makes the the calculus with with Patrick Ricard kind of interesting. Like, because if if they had someone else who was you know like a younger Eric Tomlinson or, or you know a younger Nick Boyle, that then maybe that would make it easier to part with uh, Patrick Ricard um, just because of that. I think four, five, six million dollar cap at whatever it is. I mean, I'm starting to do the math, guys, for like how the Ravens can win this offseason and you need a lot of work just to get yourself in a position to afford like a Tony Pollard. It's really ridiculous. I think fans are overlooking just how little cap space the Ravens are going to have. So um, I, I agree with you. I was, you know, when I was doing my mock, I was looking for guys who you know, could, could be those relatively limited, uh, you know, pass catchers, but come in and give you some of what Josh Oliver gave you, Nick Boyle, Eric Tomlinson. They, they don't seem to be a lot of guys, at least when I was kind of going through the mock, any with like sand in their pants, it seems like, Everyone is the kind of move tight end nowadays. Everyone mm-hmm. wants to be the why. There's not a lot of dudes who, you know, are kind of yoked up in the way that you could see them stepping in year one and being, you know, that Batman to, uh, you know, being the Robin to, to Mark Andrews or, or Isaiah Likely's Batman. But, you know, <laughs> maybe the Ravens draft the, uh, that, that big uh, wide receiver out of Florida State and say, uh, you're our next Darren Waller. We don't want you to play wide receiver. <laughs> we want you to play tight end for us. Tight end for us. Now, Jonas, you do a lot of you know research, talking to people and stuff. Have you heard anything like league people? I'm sure that you've called like on um, Zay Flowers. Are you hearing anything about possible suspension, or is it too early? Yeah, not a, not a whole lot, Benny. Um, you know, it, it's frustrating because you reach out to the NFL, and you know this this is not a unique situation because. Even when Von Miller, who was in seemingly hotter water in Buffalo with that whole situation last year with the domestic dispute or domestic violence incident, I don't, I don't want to, you know, uh, I don't want to slander the man if I'm getting the facts wrong. But like, even then, the NFL and their their various spokesmen did not say that investigation was underway. They said only that they were monitoring the situation. And so, you know, we've reached out to the NFL a couple times, uh, especially after the the charges were were not brought against Zay, and they said that. You know, still monitoring the situation. So, no word for, from either when, for, from either way. From what I've been able to tell, you know, this has been uh, not really that high up on the NFL's radar, just because of you know the, the lack of charges pressed, the, the lack of charges uh, you know brought against Zay, which which makes this a bit of a an aberration in the the broader scheme of NFL discipline. So, if I were a Ravens fan, I would probably feel pretty good about Zay not missing any time, but, you know, the NFL uh, has to be this, this organization that, that can't be seen as being lenient, lenient on its players, especially uh, if they are in the, you know, if they are seen to be uh, abusive to, toward women. Um, I'm not saying that Zay was, but, you know, the NFL can't afford another Ray Rice on its hands. The Ravens can't afford another Ray Rice on its hands. So I hope that they're doing everything they can to get to the bottom of this. And if they decide and determine that there's, 
nothing worth nothing worth punishing they for, then I guess you just got to kind of take their word for it. Hey Jonas, you know what? I would think that um, Harbs and Eric, listening to them talk the other day, they must have read your article about Bateman. I mean, because they were you talk about bullish on Bateman, they must have saw all your film clips and everything else. Yeah, uh, I, I appreciate that, Vinny. But again, like I think anytime you ask any of those guys at a public setting like this about any player who is not Tyus Bowser, they're going to say, oh, yeah, we love that guy. We think we think the world of him. But, you know, it, it doesn't really explain the uh, the lack of connection between Bateman and Lamar. Yeah. You know, um, that that is something that, that hopefully a full offseason uh, of, of work Maybe they, they get together like they did, you know, heading into they uh, heading to Bateman's second year, will rectify somewhat. But you know, I'm bullish on on Bateman. I'm bullish on what, what he can be in this league. Um, I hope that he gets the opportunity in Baltimore. I hope that his health cooperates. Uh, you know, he's, he's certainly going to get a uh, a lot more targets, especially if, if Odell doesn't come back, and especially if Zay misses any time. So uh, he, he's certainly going to have more opportunities than he did last year, and. Uh, I don't know what a breakout year would look like for Bateman, considering just the trajectory of his career and how it's kind of gone up and down. But I, I feel pretty comfortable that something like that is coming in 2024. He's Jonas Schaefer, Baltimore Banner. As the Ravens and Jonas are bullish on Bateman, they seem to be down on Dollins. He's out there floating around somewhere in the abyss, said uh, John Harbaugh a couple of days ago. Jonas, appreciate the time. As always, enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Be good. Jonas Schaefer, everybody. It's Vinny and Haney, 1057 The Fan. Come back. Reset for you. Give you the Orioles score. Birds go quietly in the top of the first. Give you the lineup as well. And then Brian Roberts, Oriole Hall of Famer. He's down in Florida coaching right now with the team. He was on the program talking about Jackson Holiday's transition from second, short, short, second, Finkel, Einhorn, and all the good stuff that goes along with that. One day trades. Three cents a share. That's $3. You cheap. And one plays scratch offs. When we go to gamble, we go to lose. If they still work here, you can bet they're in the bend. Vinny and Haney on 1057 The Fan. Vinny and Haney, 1057 The Fan. Featured artist Friday. A little uh, Lionel Richie is chosen by you, the people. Song sounds familiar. Come on, Nolan, help me out. When you, you are. You are. You, I'm what? Come on now, you don't need to get personal. Start you are coming. not familiar with the song. You are the one. You are the thing. You are the... I can follow along with the rhythm. Don't know the lyrics. I'm not going to lie to you. But this is definitely solo. Lionel Richie. Got a couple more segments to go. So if you want to hear from him or anything with the, the Commodores, we've sprinkled in a couple of Commodores tunes as chosen by you over the course of the morning now into the afternoon. So get on in here. Let's make it happen. Oriole Hall of Famer Brian Roberts. He'll be on here around 1.30. We had him on this morning. Had a lot of interesting things to say about the 2024 Orioles who threw one or scoreless against the Atlanta Braves. Orioles go up three down, three up, three down as uh, Kalzer, Santander, and Mountcastle go up and down. Two Ks there, Kalzer and Mountcastle. Then Tyler Wells, Liberato singles, and then Jared Kelnick grounds into a double play. Austin Riley grounds out. Ronald Acuna Jr. was supposed to be the leadoff hitter 
for the Braves today, but uh, he was scratched, dealing with uh, a little bit of knee soreness, but nothing severe there for one of the premier players in Major League Baseball. Brandon Hyde said earlier today, meeting with the media, Gunnar Henderson's going to be playing in a game in three to four days. Ryan Mountcastle's in the lineup. He got scratched yesterday with an illness, and as we talked about earlier, Yanir Cano has not pitched in a game yet, but he's fine. He's ready to rock and roll. Sides will be great, so he'll be in the lineup in due time, pitching for the Birds. He's going to be a prominent part of this Orioles bullpen here in 2024. 410-583-1057 is the number. Just talked to uh, Jonas Schaefer about the combine, and in particular, Ravens needs and look, you connect dots. You're talking up Oway and you're talking up Bateman because they're under contract. Mm-hmm. JK's still floating around out there because JK Dobbins, because he's a free agent. There's no contractual obligation to him any longer. But I, Gus Edwards, and I keep going back to this, Vinny, John Harbaugh said we'd love to have him back. Yeah. JK still floating around. Whatever yeah, well, be. I saw like a video of J.K. He's five and a half months, you know, into his Achilles surgery. Like he was jogging or first whatever. game of the year he went down. Yeah, so I mean, he's not. I mean, he's kind of hose. Who's going to pay him when you're coming off of Achilles surgery? I mean, he's going to be out there for a while. You're not going to have to make a decision on him. He's not going to have a lot of suitors. Maybe the thing that he may do is he's got to prove to people, number one, he's healthy, but he may be waiting for, you know, training camp or somebody gets hurt during camp for some team or something because he's got to do a prove-it deal. And he also blew out his knee. Let's not forget that. (laughs) So he has basically missed two full seasons because of injuries. Yes. 2021 and then played in three quarters of a game this year. And then blew out the Achilles. And I'm not saying that it's a parallel to Cam Akers, but he blew out his Achilles in L.A. with the Rams and then went to Minnesota and blew it again this year because after Madison, who was going to get released by the Vikings, he did not live up to what they had hoped he would be. Akers got the call, and then he blew out his Achilles again. Bob, if Which I'm, is unfortunate. If I'm a team, you know, in August or whatever – I'm not the Ravens, but another team that, you know, needs a, I'd I'd bring them in, give them a shot. Dobbins, you're saying. Yeah, just so because. It, like, from a Baltimore perspective, you're moving on. I think he got. I, I think he wants to probably, too. We've talked about that, too. Maybe he wants to get out of Dodge. Himself. Yeah, and, and I'd give him a sh- Because he's either going to get hurt again or, you know, does he need another year? If he needs another year, then, you know, I mean, by that time, he's probably done because of the Achilles. So, you know, I, I don't – they say, what, Achilles usually takes nine months and he's five. So March, April, May, June. So maybe he's running you – know, July possibly. So he, he's not even going to sign with anybody. You can't even sign a guy like that till August or so to see. He's got to – he's going to have to go do, you know, work out for teams and show them and how, how he's running and stuff. Now, Caleb Williams, he met with the media today, said all the right things, not thinking beyond going number one. He'd love to play for Chicago. If it's Washington, so be it. You know, wherever fate takes him, he is cool with that. At this stage where he is, well, Chip Patterson thinks Drake May's the guy. And Jaden Daniels was uh, 
Merrill Hodge's guy. Now, yeah. Merrill Hodge famously said Johnny Manziel was going to suck in the NFL, which, you know, he eventually did. But is there anything Caleb Williams can do at his pro day? Now, he's not going to get medical here at Indy that would cause him to drop. No. no, Only if he had bad interviews. And so far, it looks like he's wowing everyone here. Yeah. So, I mean, he's... And, Bob, you know this. He's probably hired... He, he's he been well-prepped. Or at SC, I'm sure, because SC, you're going to get a lot of notoriety and everything. Their media people, I'm sure, taught him how to talk to the media and do those kind of things. So he's well-schooled on talking with the media. All right, we have time for a call there, Nolan. Let's get out to the phones. 410-583-1057 is the number. Brian Roberts, going to have him coming your way. Oriole Hall of Famer in a couple of minutes. Go to Cliff and White Marsh. Cliffy, what's up? Hey, Bob. Hey, uh... I'm going to have to tape the Oriole Geese. They have some massing tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to be And at MLB a, Network, too. Well, I'm going to be out uh, getting heavily invested in the golf stream pick five tomorrow. I got some really good ones. But anyway. Uh, uh, coming up about, a oh, about Cole Irvin. Yes. I, I think that the this is going to prove to be a really smart signing from a couple of years ago. You know, I don't know. I, it seemed to me like he got in Brandon Hyde's doghouse last year. I, I guess a lot of it was his doing and pitching not that great. But when they brought him back up, he had a couple six-inning stints. Now, when I watch him pitch, Bob, he's always near the plate, and he works quickly. And you know what? Umpires really like that. They seem to give you a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. And I just have a feeling, Bob, that's going to be a signing that's going to reap a positive reward this year. Moving forward, I just have a hunch he's going to have a good season if they give him the opportunity. All right, Cliff, thanks. And he's going to have to have a big season because he's getting the opportunity. He lost 12 to 15 pounds at his own admission, came in, maybe wasn't in the best of shape 2023. You penciled him in as the number two starter, Nolan, behind Kyle Gibson last year. And in three starts, he was exiled to the minor leagues, came back and was a spot starter for them. Now he's huge because of the injuries to Means and Kyle Bradish. But the Means absence opens an opportunity for a southpaw. He was an innings eater in Oakland didn't give up a ton of home runs and to Cliff's point he was a quick worker and let's make it happen I'm not giving him the Cy Young award but I think he'll be well he better be he'll be much more effective for this year's team than he was for last year's and I remember that quick working thing that was a big talking point last year you remember the implemented the pitch clock Mm -hmm. and that was a struggle for some of these guys especially veteran pitchers to get used to the change and Cole Irvin well had the pitch clock been around forever, he would have been fine years ago. So uh, he's going to be a prominent part of this Orioles rotation, we think, in 2024. He's pitching this weekend, as a matter of fact, tomorrow against the Yankees. When we come back, Orioles Hall of Famer Brian Roberts talking about the young talent on the team and the transition from short to second for Jackson Holiday. Taking sports to a whole new level. 105.7 The Fan. Bob Adebini Serrato joining us now to talk about the first week of spring training. He's been down there monitoring and coaching the team. He's an Oriole Hall of Famer, two-time All-Star. He's on the WGK Law guest hotline. Let's welcome back to the show. It's been a couple years. He's uh, Brian Roberts. Brian, what's up, dude? Hey, what's going on, man? Can you imagine? How about this? Lionel Richie was my first ever concert I went into in person. 
Were you dancing on the ceiling, most importantly? <laughs> I vividly remember it. It was at the Dean Smith Center in Chapel Hill. Yep, crazy. <laughs> that is pretty awesome. Brian Roberts, are you're down in Sarasota working with the team. And let's start with Jackson Holiday. We know the upside. He's the number one prospect in all of baseball. But defensively, explain, first of all, the transition from usually playing shortstop to playing second base and how difficult a transition it might be. Because I heard what he was saying yesterday that, you know, I'm used to playing more to the left side of things. Now it's more to the right. So tell our listeners what that's all about and uh, how has he looked so far trying to make that transition? Uh, Yeah, I've had the opportunity to spend a lot of training and I made the same switch. I mean, I've played shortstop my whole career all the way through my first year in Baltimore. And um, it's a simple switch, yet a very complicated switch at the same time. Um, You know, the the routine ground ball, the plays at first base are much easier, actually, at second base, obviously, than shortstop. Probably you have more time, takes less arm strength. But it's the double play stuff that's more complicated. You're just at a different angle. The feeds are very different. Um, Turning the double play coming from the left side, infielders from shortstop, and third baseman uh, is a much different turn than um, coming from shortstop where everything's in front of you. So uh, there are some things that definitely um, create some challenges when you're moving from the left side to the right side of the infield. But he's so young. He's so athletic. Uh, he's so gifted. Had a chance to be around him a lot. He's picking it up uh, extremely well. I think he's going to handle it obviously perfectly fine. It's just going to take some reps and uh, getting in those game situations and having those plays happen in real time where the speed is fast and uh, and having to make those plays instinctively as opposed to thinking about them quite so much. Now, Brian, I'm not going to lie, other than watching highlights on the interweb and what they show us on TV, I haven't seen him play an entire nine-inning game yet. But if there is a criticism, I'm, I'm using air quotes, arm strength maybe not of the Manny Machado, Gunnar Henderson ilk, is that fair or is that an unfair critique? Well, <laughs> well that that wouldn't be necessarily unfair for 99% of the world to be fit that way. Um, you know, those two arms are pretty special. Uh, when you're talking about Machado and you're talking about Gunnar, they are, um, they are the top 1% of the top 1% when it comes to arm strength. So I can tell you this. I mean, I don't think that Jackson's arm strength would hold him back from doing anything on a baseball field uh, would be the way I would put it. Um, maybe it's not the top, you know, 0.01%, but it's certainly – uh, plenty playable at any position you want to put him at uh, on a major league field at this point. Brian Roberts, Oriole Hall of Famer, joining us here. Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The fans staying on the infield because that's your field of expertise as a two-time All-Star Oriole Hall of Famer. Colton Wong comes in, two-time gold glover, fielding Bible guy, and I forgot that he was like a, a silver bat or silver slugger guy just two years ago. What could he add to the equation for not just Jackson, but for all of the young infielders? And at 33, is there maybe a spot for him on this year's team? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I, when I saw that signing, um, I wouldn't say it shocked me completely, but obviously the Orioles have so many good young infielders. It's incredible. I mean, that was probably what blows my mind more than anything when I get over there. It's just the amount of talent that they have at young ages, especially within the infield. Um, yeah, so I think they brought him in certainly as much as anything, maybe for some depth, um, some leadership to, to teach some of these young guys who are learning these positions. Um, when you look at Jackson, obviously learning second base, uh, you've got also a guy like uh, Connor Norby who uh, swings the bat extremely well. His one knock would be defensively at second base, uh, probably a big league bat, maybe not quite defensive yet. Um, 
And so I think there's a lot of purposes behind some of those things when the when these teams bring these guys in. If if he was willing to possibly go to AAA, you know, and be there uh, for insurance as well as uh, mentoring help, that sort of thing. So, um, you know, I don't know exactly what Michael Elias and those guys are thinking when it comes to that, but he's a guy who has tons of experience, playoff experience, high-level experience, and I think they can use him in a lot of different ways. Now, Brian, with Jorge Mateo, two bombs yesterday. He was a fielding Bible guy himself at shortstop just a couple of years ago. I mean, the bat really cooled off after a hot sip, or April, rather, in 23. Center field's going to be an option for sure. The speed plays. The right-handed bat, maybe could that be more of an advantage for him with all the lefties? Where does Jorge Mateo fit in and talk about that transition from being a premier defensive shortstop to covering some ground out there in center field, Camden Yards, or wherever it is? Yeah, I mean, you've got a couple of guys who two years ago, you know, uh, were playing at a super high level defensively. You got him plus uh, Ramona Rios, who won a gold glove at third base. And uh, both of them really at this point, you know, may not have a starting job, obviously. And so uh, the amount of defensive ability that both of those guys bring and their flexibility um, to move around the diamond is huge. I think that's in this day and age and the way the game is now organizations love guys like that who can provide all sorts of different uh, abilities all over the field. Now, moving to the outfield is a whole different animal for sure as, as an infielder um, getting out there and I think getting work in and reps in, if that's what they're going to uh, have Mateo do some is going to be, you know, very important for him to get out there and do that. But the right-handed bat, I agree that I struggled against left-handed pitching some last year to have somebody who can come in and, you know, spot start and, and play, all over the diamond and maybe provide that right-handed bat as certainly the speed um, on the bases and causing some havoc out there is something that every team loves. So I think the Orioles have a lot of flexibility, which is great. They have a lot of young talent. They've got really everything that they need to, to accomplish what they want to accomplish, just a matter of how Brandon Hyde and Michael Elias want to use those pieces. Hey, Brian, talk to me about the progression of getting ready during spring training. I mean, because, you know, you see some of these guys, they get two at-bats, then they're out, and then they're not playing the next game, then they come back, get a couple more at-bats. So how long does it take you to get ramped up? Like, what what was your ideal scenario for you? Well, I would say that varies dramatically based on um, how old you are, uh, how much experience you have at the major league level. All those things you'll see, obviously, Jackson Holiday and some of those kids are going to get a lot of at-bats in spring training. You know, they played the first day, split squad the next day, so they're back in there again. In there, you know, third day in a row at 19, they, they can do that sort of thing. Um, and they're not thinking twice, for one, because they're trying to make a team. You know, the older you get, even talking to Gunnar Henderson, he's only got, you know, really one full year under his belt. And yet he told me, he's like, you know, coming into this spring feels totally different. I, I, I realize now I can kind of just – take my time and, and know that all I'm doing is trying to prepare for opening day. And so I think you have different guys who are, who are very uh, different in their approach to it. Uh, myself, I mean, there were years where I wanted more at-bats and then there were years where you go through things, you might have a nagging injury in spring training and you say, just give me like 15 or 20 at-bats and I'll be ready to go, you know? So um, I think the situation just depends on a lot of different factors and um, where guys stand in their career as well as, um, you know, injuries and those sorts of things. But the biggest thing is making sure that you're healthy, making sure your timing is at least somewhat decent by the time opening day comes around. Um, I always remember Miguel Tejada. He was the worst spring training player I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and yet, first day, opening day, he's going to go three for four. You might as well count on it. So, so the spring training really is just to prepare for opening day for most guys. 
He's Brian Roberts, Oriole Hall of Famer. Brian, last thing for you is you've got a glimpse of the team, at least early in spring training. We know the, the defense is strong. The bats look to be uh, pretty much capable of producing runs. What about that rotation? And is the loss of Batista going to prove to be costly for them here? Yeah, I mean, only time will tell, I guess, at this point. Certainly, the Corbin Burns trade was enormous, and I think everyone knew that a real frontline starter is um, is a huge asset, especially if you're a team that's, um, you know, has a pretty good chance of getting into the playoffs. Having those frontline guys are, are enormous. Plus, he's a guy who has eaten up a lot of innings um, at a high level. So that was a great pickup. Um, you know, we'll wait and see what Kyle Bradish is like as he works through uh, recovering from his elbow stuff. You know, John Means, obviously, as well with the some injury stuff. Um, you know, Grayson Rodriguez is a uh, had a tough first go-around, but came back and pitched outstanding. I expect a really good year out of him. Um, you can't replace Bautista, but certainly putting a guy with like Craig Kimbrell in the back of the bullpen with that kind of experience, he knows how to get outs uh, at the end of the game. And so I think he will help solidify the back end of the bullpen uh, as long as you can get enough innings out of those starters and they pitch well, I think this team uh, has a chance to do everything that they want to do. Well, we're stuck on you, Brian Roberts, Oreo Hall of Famer. First concert was Lionel Richie down at the Dean Dome way back when. Brian, we appreciate the time as always. Enjoy the rest of your spring, and we look forward to talking to you throughout the season here, hopefully. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Brian. Fitty and Haiti, 105.7 The Fan. We'll come back, take a trip through the funhouse. Nolan McGraw, inside access coming up at 2. The Orioles up early on the Braves. We'll tell you about that as well. As Hyder would say, the Bobster and the Vin Man. I like our guys. Fitty and Haney, 105.7 The Fan. I've been waiting all day long for all night long. We'll featured artist Friday. Lionel Richie is chosen by you, the people. His big hit, solo hit from 1983 and 84 and all the big Grammy-winning stuff that are brought to the equation. So we've been jamming to him, mixing in some Commodores as well. So I hope you enjoyed it because you picked it. Orioles 3-zip right now over the Braves. Mountcastle with a ribby. Rhino Hearn two-run double. Good news here is that Tyler Wells won unscored upon in two innings as he, like Cole Irvin, making his way from an expected bullpen roll to in the starting rotation. We saw how good Tyler Wells could be out of the starting rotation in the first half of 2023. Faded in the second half, got sent back to the minors, but came back and helped big time in the bullpen September into October, now being counted upon to do some good things in the five-man for Brandon Hyde. So the Orioles right now, bottom of the third, three-zip, over the Atlanta Braves. Inside access coming up here in a matter of minutes. Nolan, before we get to the funhouse, what's your uh, agenda for the weekend here? Well, I'll take some more weather like this because that opens up more possibilities. Let that rain get out of here. Sick of that. 85% chance tomorrow. I mean, it's, a you know, it'll be warm, but it rains. And then it doesn't rain, but it's cold. Get it out of here. Let's get spring in here. Let's get summer in here. Quite the dilemma for old Nolan McGraw, other than the fact that he has no beer in his fridge, which to me is the more frustrating thing. That's an easy fix, though. Uh, yes, it is. If we can control the weather and you're dancing on ceilings, we're doing much greater things with humanity humanity than talk about combines and spring training games. <laughs> yeah. It's Vinny at Haney, 1057 The Fan. I don't want to talk no more. Funhouse. Quick draws. Funhouse. Funhouse. 
the rudeness, tuneness text reader. Who's the fastest gun alive? This side of the Chesapeake. I like that quick draw. 1057 The Fan. First text here, a question. Texter wants to know, revisiting the 2021 Ravens draft class, who has been more disappointing as a first rounder, Bateman or Owe? Bateman or Owe? Both have kind of lacked production. Both have been had their injury stints. Can I can I say both? If you had to pick one, I would say Bateman personally. He was picked before Owe. I think. And he showed some great flashes his rookie year. Well, last year, 22. Yeah. He averaged almost 20 yards of reception. Then got hurt again. Yeah. I just think the expectations were higher for him. His, and then uh, when you, you consider the Ravens' lack of great uh, draft history at the wide receiver position, he was touted as the guy that was going to finally break that streak. Not to be. His end zone trips have been very scarce. Yes, they have. During his career. But they're bullish on Bateman. Yeah, there's still time. Well, he's under contract, so you can't rag on him. Uh, another texter here says, go ahead and give Kyle Stowers more spring at-bats, let his hot streak pay off, and flip him for another pitcher in a trade. He's never going to put his name ahead of Kerstad or Kowser because of draft status, and even those two guys are having trouble getting playing time. Well, we'll see how it all plays out. Kyle Stowers having a great spring is good for him in multiple different ways. It's good for the Orioles. Maybe he will earn him. He earned it last year. He came north with the team, then struggled. But Kyle Stowers is going to help the Orioles in one way or another, I would hope. Nice hair, too, by the way. Doesn't hurt. Uh, and last one here, Jason in Eldersburg says, I'll be honest, since Gary Williams left, I struggle to care about the Terps. Even when they had some good seasons, they would let us down in the tournament. Finally let myself get excited right before COVID hit. We all know how that ended. Yeah, it, it sucks because the best team Turge had was banned. Well, not everybody was banned. They canceled the tournament. 2020. To me, the most enjoyable Turgeon year was the 14-15 season, Mello Trimble's freshman year, where they came out of nowhere and won 25 games. But Gary Land, you know, you, you can't keep him around forever. Sooner or later, you know, father time wins. And Gary just wanted to hang up the whistle. He's in the Hall of Fame. His achievements speak for themselves. But right now, Maryland basketball, and no bigger fan than I, two Sweet 16 since 2003, it's not good. It's not good in this day and age where 7,000 teams make the tournament. Come on, man. We need to ramp it up here. 9% from beyond. They're, they're not beating anybody. Kalen Clark does that. What? Shooter. <laughs> Left-handed. It's Vinny and Haiti, 105.7 The Fan. We're done. Inside Access coming up next. They'll have plenty to talk about. We're back on Monday for Nolan McGraw, Vinny Serrato. I'm Bob Haiti. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We'll talk to you uh, next Monday, everybody. For now, class this morning. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.